Welcome to episode 224 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 424 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? I'm good. A little worried. You're a little worried? Why is yeah. that? I'm going to be bringing a bit of negativity to the show today, but oh. I'm going to try to balance that out with some positivity. Oh, I'm feeling the negativity. What's mm. all this about? You're, you're, I didn't feel the negativity before the show. Luckily, some of it has been abated, as you will hear about later on. Oh, I can't wait for that. It's, it's going to be a big week. Mm. Okay, guys, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com I've got, Oh, I've got the French press. Right. I did my job, so we're going Good. to do it today. Okay. Okay. Deal. I, I don't know how to make it. Okay, we'll give it a go. Yeah. We'll bumble our way through. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Athlinks.com. Um, social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer, and I imagine you're using that stuff to stay away from the flu right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm using my immune boost to stay away from the flu. Extreme endurance, look after the muscles and immune boost to stay away from the flu. It's just all happening for John Newsom right now. Okay, guys, on this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We have, uh, what do we have? We have a discussion of the week. We have an interview. Now tell me about this one, John, because you did the interview. I, was, I couldn't do it with you. Uh, we have Sean McNeil and Craig Gruber. So get the tissues out because it's a really? good one. really is. Yeah. It's, tell, it, just give us a quick. So if you've ever seen Rick and Dick Hoyt, yep. this is sort of similar to that. So Sean McNeil was diagnosed with ALS not very long ago at all, like maybe a year ago. Yep. And just Downhill. a massively debilitating disease. Uh, she was already a triathlete before now that. This is when we did Age Gripper of the Week. Yes, I think so. We, we talked about it anyway. Yeah, yep. And um, so she was a triathlete, always wanted to do an Ironman, and just completely been smoked by this disease and a bunch of her mates who she used to train with decided right she's going to do an Ironman and they pushed her well she she participated as much as she could but they basically did Ironman Cairns uh, back in June and so she was on a bike uh, sort of they were on a, a, a sort of a yeah a joined together bike but she was able to pedal a bit and then they did the run and they had some certainly had some challenges through the day but it's a pretty emotional story and if you get if you can get to see a bit of TV footage of this, or there's a little few clips clips on YouTube, it's pretty spectacular. Oh, well, I look forward to listening to that. So John did the interview last week, so we'll put that on later on today's show. Uh, we've got a few questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, both so news, and it's nice to see you. John John does the show notes basically, so each week I get the show notes, and it's nice to see he led the show notes with who got seventh in Lake Placid. Who got seventh? And why is that important, John? Because. Um, What's his name? Uh, the real Starkey, yep. who has has got it does a, a you know Twitter Twitter sort of thing, and he's does some really good rants. They basically set up Go GoFundMe thing, which must be like what is it? What's the like, other one? Um, you do? Um, yeah. Um, basically fundraise yeah. fundraising thing and they basically wanted to give they, they, seventh place at Lake Placid and many other Ironmans around the world get zero so they thought that's that's not good enough and they're going to make a stand and so they've raised at the moment seven and a half thousand dollars and that is going to be split between the seventh place male and female so it's pretty Kick incredible Kickstarter is the one yeah. <laughs> and so it's 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 um, taking the piss out of a, out of uh, a situation that is far from ideal the pros 
really get paid pretty poorly in our sport. And, uh, well, and what so happened was they, they handed out these massive big checks. They had a guy dressed up in a gorilla and they handed out the checks and these guys who got seventh ran down the finishing shoots with these checks. Apparently didn't go down quite so well. Apparently Mike Riley grabbed them and threw them in a bin. Mm. But maybe in jest. Yes. Mm, I don't know. You, you, I, I certainly see both sides of the story on this one. Uh, I saw Jordan Rapp had a post. <laughs> they said, you know, what's the return on investments for pros? And I come up with that argument a number of times. You know, do Ironman really need the pros? And we could discuss and debate that for hours on end. But uh, the reality is there's piss all prize money. There's no prize money for seventh place. And these guys who got seventh are going to be walking away with uh, a hell of a lot more money than pretty well, much everybody finished. So the Ireland. website was gofundme.com and uh, I'll put a link to it on www.imtalk.me and, and they do bring a pretty good point. Ultimate Frisbee, speed texting, CrossFit, competitive eating, darts, arm wrestling are all sports with bigger prize money than Ironman. Mm. So first place at Ironman, like place wins 5,000, sixth gets 750, seventh place gets zero. And so you, they go on to kind of just show the injustice of, of what's happening. It is, it's, it's a, you know what I'd love to see? is I would love to see the behind-the-scenes finances of an Ironman race. Mm-hmm. You know, to really look at, and not not a Hawaii, you know, like a like a Lake Placid, and just to kind of really see the finances behind it because, um, you know, who knows the real figures? And, mm. and I'm sure someone could probably give us a slide under the table of, you know, giving us a realistic look at what, what kind of money they are looking at. Because I, I, <laughs> what is the value What's the social responsibility That's, to your sport? That is my issue with it, is I feel that if you're making profit out of the sport, you've got an obligation to yeah. look out, look after the professionals. And, and I take that on myself. Like I, I run a duet, winter duathlon series. We don't really make any profit out of that. Yeah. We make a tiny bit of money to cover our time. So I don't really feel obliged to yeah. pay out prize money. Whereas at the triathlon festival, I've got quite a bit of sponsorship and I, I could quite easily cut the uh, – prize purse for the pros and I spend a fair chunk of money on that but I really feel obligated to to try to help sport develop and so for local clubs and people who aren't really making money I don't think they're obliged in any shape or form to do this but Ironman should be making profit out of the sport if they're not they're doing something clearly wrong well we can assume they are Mm. Um, and yeah they, they should be doing better what I would like to see is the, the direction I think they're going in is good, but the money's not really there to back it up in terms of having the big races, you know, having however many, maybe four big ones, and then maybe another four or five second tier ones, and then you have all these other ones like Lake Placid, etc., that are sort of your development events. So I like the direction they're heading in with that, but there's got to be a bit more money to be able to scrape together. It's it's pretty poor. Well, you know, as I was saying in this, in this website here is that, you know, even the people who win it aren't probably taking that much money home by the time you look at the cost, no. you know, like all the cost around the race. Unless it's your total lo- local race and it's just up the road from you, for mm. most people they're going to drop a few thousand just turning up. So, yeah, I, I do think there's that, that social responsibility of WTC to actually, you know, I do get the point that, you know what, I'm not quite sure – Pros have lost value in the sport, mm. you know, and it was interesting we did, was it Legends with the Australian guy last month? Who was the guy we had on last month? Um, the guy who was the admin guy. Oh, yeah, Ken Baggs. Ken Baggs. So we had Ken Baggs on, and he was saying how in the 80s, pros did bring people to the sport, mm. you know, and, and, and the stars, you know, if you did get a Mark Allen or you got a Molina or you got those guys to a race, there, there was real value in spending the money of getting those guys there. Mm. And unfortunately, over time, Ironmans really became about the personal journey a lot more for the for the age group athletes. So the need of the pro to turn up is just not so much. And so unfortunately, the pros lost their value to the market. And mm. so 
But at the same time, there's a responsibility. And, and totally. Like you said in the fitness industry, I, I may have talked about this in the past, but you do see it in the fitness industry that it's a passion-based industry. And passion-based industries are very interesting industries because people are willing to do it for nothing. Mm. And you see what you see is the business people in the industry understand that and they abuse that. Mm. And so they go, well, shit, if they wanted to work for nothing, why would I pay them? Mm. Or will it keep it real minimum because they love their job? Mm. And I always think that's abusing a situation where you have a responsibility to give back. Totally. And um, and I don't know. I, I think these types of things are really good because it's kind of shaming WTC. Yeah. You know, and, and it's kind of bringing up a big issue in our sport in a way that makes them look pretty poor. And I mm. do think, you know, that's probably the only line of, Mm. way of doing it that bloody pros have right now mm. other than a pro union which will never happen because it's just too dis- disorganised yep. so I think good on Andy Starkey for, for doing what he's doing and, and keep a, keep this kind of work up to kind of keep that shaming on them so, so uh, in the guys side of things you have Raymond Botello in 7th place in 9.23 he's taken home the big check and on the girls side of things we had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Rachel Jastrzebski in ten thirty-five. So good stuff. Um, the, the actual winners of the race, which is also really important, yeah, was there, uh, there was another race on. Amber Ferreria uh, took out the girls in nine thirty-one. From man, what is it with all these names today? We've only just started off. Kim. <laughs> Schwalbenbauer was second in 10.38, so seven minutes between those two. And then Lisa Roberts was in third in 9.40. And on the guys' side of things, we had uh, crushing it. The winner who was the age group champion last year in Kona absolutely crushed it. Uh, and he, oh, he really up, did, didn't he? I mean, he crushed it in Kona and he crushed it here. 8.38, he was uh, 13 minutes in front of second place and that second place was... Um, um, let me do the computer trick because there's no hope on this name. What do you, think, what, what do you reckon it is? I reckon Balas Chalk. Balas? How do you get Balas out of Oh, it's okay. Other way around. Balas? Here we go. Just Balas? Yes. Yeah, Bella's choice. Yeah, that's one of He was uh, thirteen minutes back in eight fifty one, and then Jonathan Theron was Sheeran was third in eight fifty nine. So only three guys going under under the nine hour barrier. Now, is this race traditionally that slow? Well, here here, here here comes in part two of the Ironman Lake Placid report because the weather turned a shock. Oh, I don't know right. how bad it was for the pros, but certainly for the age groupers, uh, the weather went south real fast and they had some terrible thunderstorms. I was watching the live coverage, um, watching some people finish around about the 11 hour mark. And you know the computer screen and the footage is yeah. not super clear. And I'm sort of seeing this, this, this sort of spray on the on the screen and you could see the people running up the finishing chute and these big puddles. Just, oh, really? Yeah, it was like so it was a okay. tough day. It was. Uh, it was. It sounded pretty tough there. At the finish, it looked fine, but I, I know they got hammered. And herein lies what. Apparently, what, what, what I was going to pull out of the water. Yes, and this is where I was really going to start ranting today. Oh, here we go. Back so, it up. I'm just embracing myself. They did. They pulled out a lot of people out of the water, and they let them continue. Fair enough, I think. Yeah. Um, but what happened with that was then they made an announcement, which I, by, by the Facebook post, it looked like it was during the race saying, okay, um, here's what's going to happen. We've pulled people out of the water. So what's going to happen is all the finish times, we're going to take off everybody's second lap of the swim plus their T1 time, and that's going to be the results. So I don't know what the percentage was of people, but all those, say, Kona contenders, they will have got through the swim, no yeah. problem. And so then you have this problem that, 
you basically only have half the swim, even though you, everybody that was going to be in the reckoning finished the swim, they're going to cut the swim. Uh, and so what that, you say, so wait a second, so what happened was they cut the second lap of the swim, but the people who would have been fast enough to qualify for Kona anyway would have been out of the water by that stage. Exactly. So the qualifiers have a disadvantage or the people who are the pointy end had a disadvantage. The weaker swimmers had an advantage. So yeah. the, the reason why I was going to rant about this is I had an athlete who ended up finishing in third place in her age group yep. and I think there was only three slots yep. and because of this... Um, so, wait, so she got a slot? Oh, no, hold on. She, so she got third and she's thinking, sweet. She actually got passed just at the end and uh, and dropped from second to third. Okay. And she's, but she's thinking, sweet, should have a spot. Yep. But then they said, oh, yeah, we're going to cut the, set, the uh, second lap of the swim. And she dropped down to fourth. Oh, no. And we're like, you're probably not going to get a slot unless it goes to roll down. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, what the hell? You can't do that. No. <laughs> and luckily, they saw sense and changed back. And they came up with some sort of system where I think some of the older age groups where none of the people finished the swim or something, then yep. they cut their second lap. So I get what they're trying to do. But that was just a shocker. To, it, yeah. to say right, you all, say look all, at the sky, John. Incredible. I know. Sorry. So, say you have the top ten people; they all do the full course, but you say uh, we're going to chop that second lap of the swim. So you're penalising all the good swimmers. Yeah, because um, so, you're taking away their competitive advantage, haven't you? I was, we were pretty fired up, you said, Bevan, I'll tell you that, because she just missed out at another race as well. Oh, and they'd break your heart, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you come in and you got third and you know there are three spots, mm. you're like, okay, well, you know, I've got their good stuff, and then. Yeah, that would be pretty horrible. So thankfully, they saw they saw um, saw the light. Jeez, imagine them. <laughs> I always think, you know, when something there was lawsuits coming, Bevan. Yeah, there was lawsuits coming. I imagine the poor buggers organising the race. Like, you know, unfortunately, these things happen, and and sometimes you make a decision, and after that, you go, oh no, maybe we had the wrong decision. Yeah. And in that situation, I imagine they had a tidal wave of people coming at them, oh, yeah. upset. So, good to see they kind of got to a good conclusion. Okay. Um, we had. We had Outlaw, yeah, and Craig Twig took this race out with a 4:44 on the bike, killed it, nice. and uh, ended up with a 9:03:32 from Philip Mosley, 9:06, and then Tom Vickery in third place in 9:13. And good to see the oldies taking out. He's in the 40 to 44, and the next one was 35 to 39, and then the young buck Tim v- Tom Vickery is only 25 to 29, had to settle for third. Just John, I'm just looking at the results here. You keep talking because yes. I'm just trying to show you. And then on the girls side of things we had uh, they I wasn't able to filter the girls out so hopefully I've got all these right the filter wasn't working uh, Jenny Bossman was in first place from what I could see in 10.35 from Hannah Katie Peel 10.58 and then Rika Ravichadanran <laughs> sorry if I got that wrong 11.05 so Jumbo they had over a thousand people now they do have teams at the Outlaw but still mm-hmm. over over a thousand people racing so it's a bloody good race for those guys isn't it yep and the first team was 8.18 they swam 51 bike 4.32 and ran a 2.52 okay Jumbo if we were let's, let's do this you're not allowed you have to use triathletes mm-hmm. so you can't bring the best of each in each sport mm. but if you were to get the best triathletes in each area, so the best swimmer, the best biker, who would they be first of all? Best swimmer right now? Uh, oh, what's that dude from? He's from Slovakia. So not Pots? No. Oh, it depends if you go Ironman swimmers or if you go triathlete swimmers. Let's say Ironman. Okay. Well, Richard Varga would have been the, the short course guy. Ironman, yeah, I think Pots would normally take it out. Yeah, yeah. it's normally Pots, isn't it? And, yep. then, and then you've got bloody Pete Jacobs sitting on his heels. Yeah. Um, fastest cyclist would have to be Stuckowitz. Stuckowitz. And yep. the fastest runner right now. 
if you were to go and run a fresh run over the weekend, the guy Jeff Simmons, who we're going to talk about, he, can, he ran two, a 2.40. So you've got a bunch of guys around about that sort of level. Yep. Um, so what times are we thinking on a, on, a, on a reasonably fast course? So if swim, they're going to swim? Swim, uh, if it's a, a wetsuit swim and they go for it, probably about 43. 43. And then bike? Starkowitz. Well, if it go to Florida, what did he ride? 409 or something so like that? So if he just caned it, you could probably say get down about 405? I'd say four hours. Okay. Wow, four hours. And then a 240? We'll probably say 230. Oh, no, oh, no. They still have to do the – oh, no, they're only going to do the run, aren't they? I'd say um, it'd be 220, 220-ish. Okay, 220. So then if you were to do that, so a second, that's six hours, 26 hours, about seven hours, seven yeah. or three. Nice. What about girls? So you'd have – who would be your swimmer? I think Hayley Chura led out in Kona last year. Okay. What do you think she'd do? Oh, she'd only be a – couple of minutes off that so I would have thought 45. so 45 then fastest cyclist that's yeah, a tough one isn't it there's not that one person you go Starkowitz well you yeah no there's not uh you you know you'd have to say potentially um Zena yeah, yeah but there might thought. be somebody else out there that's that we don't often talk about that axes the bike so what, what kind of times the fastest skills doing I wouldn't know that to be honest they would probably say about it must be about four and a half you'd say four and a half yeah and then running for the run Jeez, what would she run? She run a, a two thirty something, wouldn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say, um, I'd say, if she trained specifically, I reckon she'd be knocking on the door of um, two thirty. Wow, man, she's a she's a rock star, eh? So then that's wait, it's an hour seven. So do seven forty five. Richard Swan will come back at me for that, but I reckon she, I reckon she'd be. <laughs> come on, you know, Swanee, come back at us. If you can run two fifty three in Kona in the heat, yeah. Come on, you got. She's a she's a good athlete. I, isn't I, she? I think I'm. Ballpark three hour pace in Kona, and um, when I'm if I really get a good marathon two thirty five, yeah, she's quicker than me. That breaks your heart. She's a legend. She's just such an interesting <coughs> card to play. You know, like it must it must be so like when you're one of those top girls going into Kona, and you're having a great day, and even if Rennie's quite far back, going into that run is just such a weapon to, to pull off, isn't it? Got to have over ten minutes. Yeah, like it's phenomenal. Um, have we done the girls from Outlaw? Yes. Okay. Uh, Iron Man Canada. Marino is back in the game. Yeah. yeah. Smoked Good to it. see too. We weren't. Sh- I wasn't really sure if he was going to just get the Kona points here or if he was going to go for it. And I guess some he needs probably needs some money. You know, I mean, no, he's probably got good sponsors. But I was thinking, oh, maybe he'll just 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 do enough just to win it, but yeah. or, or just do enough to get enough points. But no, he went out there and spanked it. He swam fifty minutes, rode four thirty one, which nice. was ten minutes quicker than everybody else, and then ran a good strong two fifty one for an eight sixteen ten uh, to win it by nine minutes. Jeff Simons was in second place, who, as we said earlier, smoked it on the run with a 240, yeah. 34, and then Paul Ambrose was third place in 8.33. So good racing. Good to see um, Marino easily having enough points now. So so now, because Marino was one of those guys who could win Kona, but do you think it's been a bit long in the tooth now? No, I mean, he's had one or two good results in Kona, but the but thing about he doesn't race so it smartly many sometimes. Explosions. Yeah, that's the thing. So I think if it wasn't, I think he's, he seems to struggle with the heat. So I think if it was anywhere else in the world, I'd say yeah, he's still got a, a good strong chance. But I don't know. He's he's had some major meltdowns out there. So he's certainly a, a contender. But um, but if he won it, you wouldn't go total surprise. No. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? Like he's of that caliber. Yeah. 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 He could quite easily 
do what Freddie Van Leer did last year, and he could run about that same same-ish sort of pace. Maybe net, maybe he's not quite that good, but um, but he's right in the mix. Okay, and the girls, I think Brie Wee. I don't, has Brie Wee won a race before? I, I can't ever recall her being a winner. You should know this. I, I know I should, John. I know I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just like we hear her. We've always heard her name a lot around the traps, mm-hmm. but I just don't recall her. Winning. I think she has. Yeah, she probably has. Brie Wee. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to go on a website, do my research. 56 swim, 2, 529 on the bike, 317 on the run for a, 440, for a 946 from Karen Thribadol, Uh And Madison McKenzie was in third place in 951, only a minute and 10 seconds back. And she would have got past late in the run. God, that would have ripped your jocks. Um, so good racing there and pretty close racing. You had it all the top. Four girls, all within sort of about ten minutes, twelve minutes of each other. So uh, good to see. She has. She won Louisville, right? Nice. And this year, actually. Oh no, two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. So she's only got up to two thousand twelve. She's, you need to update your website, Bree. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but she's been quite successful. Yes. She won the, the Kona Half Marathon back yes. in two thousand and seven. There she you go. Lives, lives in Kona. There you go. She's got a pretty cool website too. And then we move on to Ironman Switzerland. Boris Stein took it out in. 8.33, only a minute victory over David Cleese and Marek Jaskolva from Poland in 8.40 in third place. And then my pick, who I thought was going to smoke it, Philip Ospelay, who absolutely crushes 70.3s, was only down in fourth place. Which one's this? Uh, Ironman Switzerland. Okay. Haven't, got, haven't got the link there. Oh, okay. Sorry. But there is a new formula, Bevan, on how to win an Ironman race. Oh, here we go. Wait. It's about to be revealed, team. So, what you go and do, yes. is you, if you want to go and win Ironman Switzerland, they have a 51-50 race, so an Olympic distance race the day before. Okay, cool. That's you, a good idea. You just go and win that. Yeah. You beat the, um, beat the Olympic champion. And really? And then you go out the next day and you win the Ironman. So you use it as a warm-up. Yeah. It's a good warm-up. So yeah. Really? So Daniela Reef, uh, on debut at Iron Distance Racing, um, took out the race in 9.13 from... Natasha Badman. She's a star. And Sonia Tysik was in third in 929. She's, I mean, Sonia's a, a fantastic athlete. So was Kirsten Moller in fourth. And Erica, good, our friend, good friend Erica, mm-hmm. was in fifth. So that's a quality field. And Natasha Badman still gets second. Wow. She swam 105, just got crushed as she always would, and rode 455, fastest spikes for the day, and then ran a 323. Distant second. To be fair, but pretty impressive. What, what how old is she now? We thinking? Okay, I'll do my research. Job. Do your research. Oh, she's she's over forty five. Forty five year old. But Daniela Reef, so she took it out on debut. Incredible. She's a former Olympic distance athlete. Very very 47, good. Forty seven, John. Forty seven. Forty seven. There you go. Uh, so, da- but Daniela Reef had a really good ITU career. She won a number of races. Was always right in the mix. Really strong on the bike. Just a. a Good, strong-looking girl who just smokes it. And so she won won the Ironman, and as I said, she won the 51.50 the day before. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder, wonder who was there for that 51.50. You know, it's probably a bit of a yeah. hoax, hoax field. But no. She, uh, no. But no. She beat Ricarda Lisk. Um, Lisa Norden was in fourth place. And uh, see, there's another question I probably should know the answer. Was it Lisa Norden that won the gold? or was She it, got um, second. So was, she, was the, she was the Swedish girl, wasn't she? So I take that back. She beat the... Olympic silver medalist. Yeah, because yeah, Lisa Norden was was, was split line, right. wasn't it? Yeah, and she was the blonde girl. She got second because she was in Kona the next few weeks when we were over in mm. Kona. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So anyway, 
pretty impressive. That she is. She had to beat a quality field there. She really did, didn't she? And she just decimated so, them on the bike. So, so a couple of questions. Um, she go to Kona? She won't be because she wouldn't have enough points. Um, she, she, I think she might have done a few halves and stuff. Oh. Wait, I'll do my research. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for someone like her, still not like good enough to be, what, top 10? In Kona? Oh, who knows? But, um, I mean, it's not an incredible, incredible time. Yeah. But maybe not under huge pressure. But in terms of her credentials, uh, I think she would have the ability to be a top five Kona athlete. The other question I have is Kyle Buckingham. So, he, you know, age group Kona champion. Smart. He's not, not a good after swimmer. Oh, isn't he? Oh, I mean, it's f- yeah, fifty-two. Yeah, you're going to be off. You're going to be off the pat back. So, a definite potential for a for a top twenty, top ten sort of thing. If you, if you could run yourself up into top ten, but um, I would say that unlikely. He'd likely miss the pack, and then. Uh, so it is. It is interesting just to think these top age group. You know, Cole's a bit of a legend in the age group world, and obviously, you know, doing well as a pro as well. But just to see that step up to the next level, you know, like that's always an interesting transition. Tough for the girls. Daniela Reef. So she's. I've just checked these results are up to date. Yeah, they are. So she's uh, only a thirty third, despite winning an Ironman. Uh, got 370.3 yeah, races. Many, tw- the top 25 have gone through now, haven't they? Is it the top tw- I think it's top 20, 20 or 25. Because there's 35 Let's girls. Let's do our research now. Is there 35 girls? Oh, Bevan, stop asking okay. questions. I'll, I'll I don't never know ask the question to. again. So she is not going to make it through. If she went and did another Ironman, she would probably sneak in. The girls side, I think, Jesus, quite a few good girls who are not going to make that first cut. You know, you've got um Heather Wirtle only down in 27th oh, really? place uh Kelly Williamson in 30th place really? and these results Angela Neath in 32nd I don't know if she'd go or not um but yeah there's going to be some some good girls missing out Corrine Abraham she might just sneak in she's sitting in 22nd place so it is tough for those girls they have to essentially you know have two really good Ironman results whereas the guys can get away with having one essentially, yeah. you know, if, you, if you win a good race, Heather Jackson's only down in 39th place. Sophie Goss, who's got points at Ironman Austria and Ironman Brazil, and a 70.3, she's uh, she's not in the mix. So, do, um, so what can, can you do a little bit of research there? So, how many have we got 50 men in the pros field? Is it 35 in the girls? Ah, oh, Bevan, just, no, that's have, what I'm saying. Do just have a pause. I don't, I don't, I don't want to okay. We'll pause, we'll be back because we want to get this right. Because we're always 100% factual right, aren't we, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Like the great reporters that we are, we uh, we did our research, and uh, John, what's the what's the what's the outcome? So it is the top 40 men that go through uh, for the first cutoff, which is as of the oh, weekend just been, yep. and then on the girls' side, it's the top 28, and then the top 35 get to race. Guess where place Bevan Doherty is. Is he, well, is he 40? Yeah. <laughs> really? So yeah. he's in? He's in. Wow. But it, it will roll a couple of places, but uh, he's managed to get in, sneak in. Wow. Tim, Tim Reed, the Aussies in 42nd. Axel Zeebrooks in 43rd. Boris Stain, who won at the weekend, is 44th. And Jordan Rapp is 45th. So it'll be interesting to see how low it does roll down. You know, from these 40 who will probably turn it down, there'll be a few names in there that probably won't Timo Brandt does not uh, meet the qualifying criteria at this stage because he did rope, but he's got enough points. And then you'll have a uh, couple of others that will drop out of that. Frederick Van Leerd will not count, and the rest probably will. But there may well be some in there that do not are not racing Ironman this year. 
does there need to be as many girls in the pro field at Let's not debate that today because we've got bloody a lot of things to get through. I think it's more you don't want to touch the subject. No, it is. I'm happy to touch that subject. I'm happy to fondle it with my hands <laughs> until it just fondle it to death. Nice and, nice but, uh, right okay. now, we've got to we we'll push on. I mean, are going to be held in where? Uh, Muskoka. So they've announced another Ironman in Muskoka. They've had a um, 70.3 there. They've also had the... World ITU World Long Short Bloody hell Spit it out short The ITU World Champs Were held there oh, it Must have been about 92 or 93 Oh wow That's bringing back The research And Simon Lessing Won when the race Was held there Cameron Brown Got beaten by Spencer Smith In the junior race uh, mm, So good to see that And it's Commonwealth Games time It's a lifetime ago Isn't it mm, It is 92 And Cameron, Brown's still, just and Cameron Brown's still racing I know Winning Okay Commonwealth Games John So I got up early. I didn't watch the females race. Head sky, you wouldn't have to. No, I, well, I, no, I did actually because I, I was working and mm-hmm. I was like, I'll get up half an hour early and watch the triathlon. Mm-hmm. TV didn't work. Did you, <laughs> really? yeah, did you have that problem? Well, I did notice when I was watching it, there was a lot of cutting in and out. Well, and then they stopped it. Oh, I must watch. I, I think I watched the replay and it, and it worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in the, <laughs> in the, in the, you've watched it live. Yeah. The men's, it, it was cutting a lot and then the, it was in the run. They said, oh, bugger it, we can't, can't show you guys. I was, uh, I was ranting last week about not knowing much about the course. Outstanding course. Fantastic. Crowds, Scotties, love their free stuff. Yep. Free crowd. Yeah, that's right. Massive crowds. It was brilliant. So the guys, the girls and guys, full distance, let's not talk about relay yet. So okay. So full distance was, it was, the guys was a bit of a yawn because- The boys just it, killed it. Yeah, you basically, you, it was always going to be Brownies 1 and 2, but as it turned out, they broke away and got a, it was a two-up time trial. They basically just time trialed at the front and uh, and just smoked everybody. So there's your two medals gone, which were always going to be gone, and everybody was always going to be racing for the third, did, third did, place. Did, was there much of a running race between those two, or did Alison nah, just really. take off? Yeah, no, they ran together for a bit, and then he smoked them pretty comfortably. Oh. Great run course, great to have a hill in the run course. Brilliant, really good design. Yep. And then uh, the battle for third was essentially over after the swim, because Richard Murray, the South African, made the pack, so it was like, okay, you're yeah, racing really awesome pride. He was, he was always going to get third, unless he had an absolute shocker. He runs as fast almost as the Brownleys. So he struggles in the swim, does he? Yes, okay. yeah, and he made the pack, and so it was, it was race over. So guy's race was a uh, bit of a ball. Um, interesting to see a couple of Ironmen in there You had Tyler Butterfield and Daniel Hawksworth And how'd they go? Um, not that great <laughs> Fair enough, well, so, different sport Yeah, different sport, but it was interesting to see them them in there They would have loved it, but it would yeah. be a cool experience Girls race was, was really good uh, You had a lot of toing and froing And they had a, they, they did ride as a pack But that again, that hill on the run made it really, really interesting Um so it was good racing. Vicky Holland was probably the surprise. She got the bronze medal. and uh, Was Andrea ever in it? Andrea battled. I've got to give her credit. She got fourth. She yep. she got dropped multiple times on the run really? and, and came back and just tied yeah, her fourth. So kind of, you again, she was one of six or seven people going for three medals and she got fourth out of those six or seven. So, so who, who took out the girls? You we remember? had uh, Jodie Stimpson take out the girls from Kirsten Sweetland and Vicky Holland in the third place. And so Joe and I actually, we recorded this one, we recorded the team's relay and mm-hmm. uh, and I have to say it definitely is the future of the sport. It's great racing. Oh, by country mile. Like, you, know, you often hear me talking about how I find the, the distance a bit boring, mm-hmm. just a running race really. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you get, you know, some dynamic, but it, it's, 
it's kind of hit and miss if you get a dynamic. Yep. Whereas this team relay was just, it's a good event to watch, yeah. isn't it? If you haven't seen it before, um, get onto the triathlon.org and you can go back and you might have to pay a little bit to just to watch like the, the team's relay to know what we're talking about that they had at the the World Champs team's relay. And that was a great dynamic and that was on a flat course. But this race was, was brilliant. I mean, the Poms, again, they were always going to, yeah, they were always always going going to win. win yep. But the battle... But they're just so strong, but... Yeah. But you still got some really good battles going on in there, and the Kiwis mixed it up, and and they didn't really dominate until the last league. No, you know no. the Poms. You know, like once Alex, you know, everyone knew Alex was going to go away, but mm. it wasn't like they just from the start they were way out ahead. And Could have been interesting if that you know that there was a pack of three or four behind. If they'd time trialed up to Alistair Brownlee and had Richard Murray going against Alistair Brownlee, anything could have happened then. They just still gave up, didn't they? No one wanted to do. Yeah, the so it was um, it's great racing, and as Bevan said, future of sport is exciting, and people watch it. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you know, I often fast forward races these days. wasn't doing any fast no. forward or anything like that. So um, bring it on. We need it in the Olympics. So what were we ever going to get a medal? Well, I bloody I, I got up. I um, so just to tell you guys. So what happened was, Poms were kind of dominating. The Kiwis were doing really well. So we basically the first three leagues. We got in the beginning of the fourth league and we we're in second spot with a bit of a gap, about fifteen seconds. Yeah, which in, in the, the distances. What are the distances? Two fifty. Uh, Two fifty swim. Six k bike. bike. One mile run. So one point six k run. Yep. And so I, I'm going out for my bike ride on Sunday morning at five thirty. <laughs> yep. And headed off and I, I just sort of while I was having something to eat I thought I'll just chuck that on see what's going on oh, triathlon's on I'll have a look yeah. oh yep Nicky Samuels awesome smoking at 15 seconds up medal awesome oh, so we're you gonna, thought we thought we were going to get it I thought there's no way we're not going to get a medal here and then I come back and watch the whole thing later and I was like you're kidding me so he stuffed up by sitting up yeah he could have stuffed up he would have stuffed up anyway but that's yeah. So basically, the Kiwi had it was in no man's land. He was 15 seconds in front. He couldn't get to Brownlee. Knew that there was three guys behind him who were closing in, and he sat up and waited for them. And then he had so, a terrible oh, transition. Had a terrible transition. Had a crappy run. Was I he, think you pay the price for sitting up. Shouldn't sit up. That's just like giving up. Under totally understand what was going through his head, but if he didn't have a bad transition, could he still medal? He's he's about the same as those guys. Okay. So he if he'd had a good run, yes, but he. Does that? He, he, yeah, and, those, and that one there, you can't lose two seconds. So in Kiwi triathlon is in all sorts of strife. It really must be, you know, because like, okay, I know this is a bit of New Zealand talk here, but if we look at the cycling right now, they're really just bringing home the medals. It's mm. like they're, they're making medals, and triathlon has done nothing. We've got. So you guys, this are you worried about losing funding? Oh hell yeah. I mean, we've got this. Just this just highlights the problems we've got in New Zealand. We've got some serious, serious issues, and there's nothing coming through. Like you're thinking, oh, if we've got a bit of talent coming through, but we're, this is a, a long-term problem that all of a sudden is starting to rear its head, and all of a sudden people are going to start panicking. But this is this has been coming for a long time. And, so, and so what you're saying is it could last for a while as well. Yeah, I think they what they need to do is just pull up stumps and say bugger this, and I think they need to look at 2024. It sounds oh, really? crazy. That sounds 10 years away. We aren't getting anything in Rio. We're no, not even remotely close to getting any medals in Rio. And there's, and then you go 2016, that's only six years away. Yeah. You can't develop that many athletes in six years. You've got to have a 10-year plan to start getting some talent coming through. It's uh -huh. a real John problem. John Newsom said it, team. Pull up stance, 2024 is where it needs to happen. Okay, another really cool piece of news. Apparently, John Newsom is the only person who's not excited about this, is that the World 70.3 Championships are going to be happening in Maloolaba in the Sunshine Coast in Australia in yes. September 16. And it was uh, probably one of the worst kept secrets out. Oh, was it? I yeah, heard it. so many people have told me this was happening. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, do you hear this? Like, somebody else said, oh, do you hear this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't tell me. Um, you didn't give me the goss. So the reason I I'm not excited. 
yeah, it's great. And that's what everybody thinks. Great, it's going to Mooloola Bar. It's going to be a draft fest like you wouldn't believe. Oh, because it's flat? Yeah, it's basically a flat course. And it's just frustrating that you go, yeah, it's going to be a great destination and yep. it's, going to, it's going to be really cool. Mooloola Bar is a nice place, beautiful oh, beaches, yep. and there's lots to do. Family well, destination. Noosa? Because Noosa's got a bit of a roller. Yeah, but it's, Noosa's not such a big place is it yeah no uh, so my, my real concern is that is this that we had it in clear water which was an absolute debacle because you just had these massive packs they moved it to vegas and Montreux blanc and you, you're always going to have packs at world championship races um but at least if you have some hills you can make it you can break it up a bit and and, and it's going to be a bit more of a fair contest this malula bar course it's got a couple of little bumps in it but they're pretty minuscule, and you would have to be woefully weak to get dropped from from a pack. So, that's my real concern with the race. Cool destination, great to see it in the southern hemisphere, um, but my concern is it's going to just going to be an absolute debacle on the bike. Well, um, yeah, well, I, yeah, it's a great destination, and um, maybe lots of Kiwis and Australians doing it. Well, you say that, but it's going to be bloody hard for Kiwis to qualify. Yeah, that's true. You got one race to qualify, and there's not that many slots, so it's going to be really, really quite hard mm, but yeah. not that it shouldn't be it's a world champ so yeah, it should be hard yeah. but yeah anyway what on Australia um, apparently Crow might be making a comeback John apparently he's going coming out of retirement yep going to Kona I think if you make these kind of announcements you're probably going Oh, you know, you don't, you don't kind of drop a hint. No. So he said, uh, should the rest of the year go okay, he's going to train up and he'll consider doing it make his decision in August but I kind of think that decision so, did you read made. the article? Uh, no. So, so basically, in the article, he was saying he was because he retired again after. I know, Melbourne. I did actually. Yeah, and he was just saying that they, they were going to take the kids to school somewhere else, and mm. it turns out that they're I think, staying in Boulder or the, wherever they are. They're staying there longer, and for that reason, it meant that gave them the opportunity to have to train properly to do a Kona type of race. So he thought, bugger, I might as well give it a go. So I'm not really surprised. Like I remember when he said after Melbourne, I I actually said, oh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back because mm. he's retired. If, he's probably retired three times, isn't he? Mm. Mm. So. Do you think he can do anything in Kona? I think he could. I'd be surprised if he won. But he probably wants to go out on a slightly higher note. Yeah. But, but geez, you've really got to want it badly to go to Kona. I think that's what's found me. He has had lots of injury issues and stuff. <laughs> but you've got to have everything going right for Kona. Unless you're Chrissy Wellington, you've got to be, A, physically prepared. You've yep. got to be pretty much basically injury free. But we do know with Crowe he'll do the work. Mm. You know, like it knows. The thing is that's been really interesting is the last few times he's done Kona, is before the fact he's all talks focus and then as soon as he gets across the finish line he talks about how he wasn't that focused leading mm. into it and um, I don't know like I, I'd be curious to see what his objective of the race is like mm. as a competitor I'm sure he still wants to th- win it and he probably still thinks he can because that's what those guys think like um, he's but, a definite top 10 a strong chance for a top 5 um, but in terms of winning it it would uh, be okay. awesome if he did. Mm. Like, that'd, be, that'd be a way to go out. Mm-hmm. But, so, certainly. Yeah. Apparently Mel, Mel Halshite uh, may also, well, she, I think she's qualified, so she's everybody wasn't quite sure if she was going to race Kona or not, but she said, knowing Kona is not going to be freezing like Port Mac, I'm excited to give it a go. So interesting to see if she does crack up to the line because she potentially could be a serious, serious contender. Over a half distance, you know, she can run as fast as Rennie. Um, she can bike like the like an absolute demon. She's going to be solo, not solo, but going to be isolated coming out of the swim in terms of relative to the likes of Joycey and Stefan. But she could certainly, could be uh, a, a champion in, in waiting. Mm. Uh, age group sprint world championships are now being draft legal. I, I, I don't have the energy to debate that right now. What do you mean? I could rant you, you, on you about, this, about this one. Well, 
So the reason is just big numbers are too big. Yeah, it's, it's you can't. It's kind of a, almost a draft legal race anyway. So it's they shouldn't even have the sprint distance race there. there you go. Okay. Uh, and a recent memo from oh, that's the same one, is it? Okay. Um, upcoming this weekend, we have uh, non-WTC events. Jumbo. Oh man, they are just cranking They're them out, pumping them out. You got the Slovak man in uh, Slovakia. You've got the Norse man in Norway. You've got the Anglian in the UK. You've also got the Aula Full Try in Kent in the UK. You got the Shadow Man in Ireland, and the Berlin Triathlon in Germany. The Austell Man in Germany. A lot of races on this weekend. Well, so I'm in Boulder. Well, I'm in Boulder. Don't know who's racing because there's no pros listed anywhere. Oh, that's not very good, John. It's poor. That's what that is. It's poor, it's John. Poor. Poor. So you're not going to get any love, I'm in Boulder, because you don't even announce. We don't even, your, we don't even love you yet. And I did try to find the pro list. They had the list of all the age groupers. Went onto the I'm in Boulder section uh, website trying to find anything. Nah, nothing. Well, we I do think know Richie Cunningham well, was racing. Uh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Because we're talking to Justin Deere. Justin mm. Deere's racing. Was yeah. he racing when we talked to him? I think he was. We did. We lost that interview, so we didn't put it yeah. on. But yeah. Okay, I'm in Boulder. Uh, John's camp. What's happening? You're oh, doing camp a cu- couple of things coming up. Um, if anybody is looking to plan this summer, we're going to be doing a little Ironman camp summer in New of, Zealand. Yep. So end of January, going over the west coast. Oh. Going to be wicked. Oh, it'll be really hot over there. So if you want to, get, if you're looking for a four day epic camp and epic style camp in end of January, you Kiwis and Aussies, we have to have some Aussies coming over. So so what is it? You'll go out. where? We'll go over to Arthur's Pass and then we go over to Lake Brunner and then we stay there. Nice apartments over there. Nice. And then an epic ride back to Christchurch. Oh, really? One day yeah. ride? I think it's 215 Ks. Nice. And that's not an easy 215. You're a lot of downhill, but you've got a serious climb. I'll see there. you coming over. I'll go, oh, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> over there. So you get to see some amazing parts of South Island if you're keen to do and a massive big block of training for anybody doing Challenge Wanaka or Ironman New Zealand. One other thing, um, I'm just about got it all sorted for our Kona experience with Dave Dwan. Oh, nice. And so what that's going to entail is if you're going to be over in Kona, you can basically follow my taper plan from the Saturday through uh, the Saturday before through to race day. Dave's going to be there looking after everybody. I'm not going to be coaching. I'll basically be doing all the training. You can follow along. We're going to have a lunch out with Bevan and myself and Dave. That's all I do. I just turn up for lunch. Turn up for lunch. Uh, I'll have a question and answers sort of session at uh, the pool at my condo one day during the week and and you basically just get to be part of the team and includes a lunch. Um, I'll have a PDF ready for next week. But if you and, want to get and on, the only it, reason we're doing me. this is basically John. It's not even about John and I at all. It's about Dave. Dave. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, <laughs> I think it's pretty valuable information I'm going to be sharing. Oh with no, 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 no! But like, there's a cost to doing it. And yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's not John. And I, it's not about us. It's about getting helping you, Dave you, out. You're getting you're getting a pretty good deal yeah. in terms of uh, getting a lot of Kona knowledge. Yep. yep. So there you go. You're wrong, Bevan. There you go. Sorry. You're wrong. Sorry. Sorry, but it is about helping Dave out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good knowledge. Okay, sponsor. How many days at Kona, Bevan? I reckon about, wait a second, 75. And do you know how I know that? Because I looked at your notes. Yes. Because I knew it. You didn't know. But what I did, because I was trying to find out, think, how many days is it? Crikey, I've got to, I know there's probably websites you can go into, how many days till October the 11th. But all I need to do is just go into Athlinks. And because I'm well organised, I have all my upcoming races in there. I can just log in and then I can click on my events tab down the bottom and it will have all my events uh, that are coming up listed there and it will tell me that I have, in fact, 
75 days to go. If I had wow. more, I've only got one race in my events coming up. If I had more, it'll give you the breakdown. So if you need that little kick in the pants to figure out how far away your race is, make sure that you do list all your upcoming races, put your goals in there, and lay a bit of smackdown talk, and it will tell you how far you've got to go race. So you people that race Placid at the weekend, you qualified. As I sent an email to, to my athlete, I said, well done. 75 days, see you on the start line. And then all of a sudden she goes, whoa. Back it up. <laughs> Back it up. That is not far away. So one of the cool things they do in Athlinks there, and uh, the other thing I was doing when I was bumbling around on Athlinks was uh, to have a bit of a look at some of the, my results, and this is what you guys can do as well. You click on your, your results, and you can basically <coughs> hone in on whatever distance you like, and then you can nail down some of the people that you race on. So I was clicking on my, my links tab, and then I go in, and I can basically go, right, Ironman, head-to-head, who, am I, who, have I, who have I sort of got a, a win-loss record against? Thankfully, my win record is quite reasonable against most people, but it's a great way for you just to compare against um, often the people that you know you've raced fairly often. You can go in there and it'll give you the win-loss record and, and time splits and all that sort of stuff. So you can go on there and uh, see how you're comparing to your fellow athletes. So check it out, athletes.com. How's that name, John? Mark, what do you say, Stetler? Yeah, yeah. Mark Stetler, as yeah. good as I am, talked jersey on his yeah. link profile. He's coached coach Mark for a little while, he's from oh. Switzerland. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah, How'd you pull that one out? I just went to my links. Nice. I've got lots of links, and uh, I can't but you're not a link. I was trying oh. to find you. Oh. You're not a link, and I've got lots of links here. Lee Gamble, okay. Lee Morton, Lee Staggs, Wagstaff, Liam Shaw, nice. Lisa Kilday, Luke O'Shea. Oh yeah, I've got lots of friends on here. God. It just makes me feel like I've got lots of friends. Nice. Nick Rose. Uh, Nina Rich Nina Rich has got a cool photo She's from Adelaide in Australia Nice You know that's what you can do You just gig out She's done 12 races She did uh, the City to Bay 12k run She did mm-hmm. 107 Nice Sharp uh, She did the Joggers World Fun Run 22 minutes She does lots of running Sweet she Did the Gold Coast Marathon 2010 4.05 Oh You can get under that 4 hour mark Yeah oh. Isn't Nina Rich Good there we go. So just um, okay, Jumbo. Um, discussion of the week. Jeez, we're doing a lot of news today. I know. Discussion of the week. Okay, last week John wanted to know what were your favourite swim sets. Yes, John Ellis. For me, it's the one hundreds to failure. For example, hundreds going on the one thirty um, with the rule that you have to hit the wall with five seconds to spare. So you try to do as many as possible, but the minute you hit one twenty six, you're out. Upper limit is uh, forty. What do you think you could do? Uh, if I was doing hundreds on the 130... Yeah, well, basically on the 125, really, isn't it? Yeah, but you can't, you're leaving on the 130. Okay, yeah, true. I could do quite a few. Yeah, but what, what do you reckon? He's at uh, 40. Could you get 100? No, probably about the 40 mark, I would say. So John Ellis is as good as you? Sorry? He's just using that as an example. Oh, upper limit is 40. Yeah. Uh, Maybe 50, I'm not sure. I generally show. do mine at the moment on 135, and I just come in around about that 125 mark that's sort of fairly steady space for me but big difference getting 10 seconds versus 5 seconds rest if you were to go all out in a pool racing against other people so there's competitive similar ability what do you reckon you could pop 100 out in um, I wouldn't go under a minute unless I trained specifically for it I think if I trained specifically for it I'd go under a minute but at the moment what was the fastest you ever did I've never gone under a minute. Oh, I've had yeah. the ability to do it, but I never sort of got myself in the situation where I had, had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, when I was a swimmer kid, when I was 13, 14, I wasn't that quick. I was sort of, I think, about 
one one oh two, which sounds really close, but it's, no, it's each second's yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Uh, I was speaking to a guy the other day who ran a, a three thirty five fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. pretty fast runner, and um, and he was saying. You know, he went to com games and stuff like that, and he was saying, "Yeah, you know, I was like, man, it's pretty impressive." Because yeah, but you know, everyone else is miles up the road, <laughs> and only five seconds faster. You know, but they ran two twenty five the, for the final one kilometer in the five thousand the other day. They ran what? Two twenty five for the final K. Yeah, pretty impressive. Kiwi boy got third. He did outstanding well. Really? Mm. Very, very well. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Rides has got, uh, I'm just going to do your ones. Yep. Uh, put a 100, 500, 500, 100 ladder anywhere in a set and I'm happy. I feel like it's a good mix of speed work and muscular endurance. Rod Swain, I like this one. 500 easy, 5 100s hard. 400 easy, 4 100s hard. Oh, 300 nice. easy, yeah, 3 100s cool. hard. And then you work your way down to one and you do them all on 15 seconds rest. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, how's that one? I reckon Kefrin. Yeah, Kefrin Lizard. Lizard, I'd say. Um, <clears throat> 200 warm up, then you're going to do two times 50 meter kick, 100 meter swim, then 2100s OD pace. Olympic distance. Um, or faster with 10 seconds rest, then 10 50, sec- 50 max with 30 seconds recovery. Uh, then two times 400 paddle and boy, and then 200 warm down. Nice. Robert Bonney, 500 warm up. 100, 200, 300, 400 hard with 30 seconds rest, then warm down. That's a pretty short swim. I find the last 400 I'm having a debate in my head. I'll only do 200, etc., but I keep going out of pride. Nice. So look, we had lots of 100s in there. People like the 100s. What do you like? What you- so I've got um, I've, I've got three three sets that I really enjoy. So my first one, uh, I always enjoy doing descending sets. So I either do six or eight times 400. Um, descend one to four, five to eight. So yep. what that means is, um, so to give you an example, if I was doing this set, I might do the first 400 and I'd say maybe do it uh, swimming at six, minute, six minutes for that first 400. Next 400, I'd be looking at, say, 5.50, next one 5.30, next one 5, 5.40 for example. Um, so you're building your pace and then you go back and you repeat that through again. So I really love descending sets. Um, six, eight 400s gives you a really nice long session, um, alternatively doing it 200s and stuff. So I love that. Love my 10 100s test set. What that is is basically 10 100s, maximum effort, uh, with big rest, so I do them on the two minutes fifteen, which essentially means I'm getting over a minute rest per hundred. So you're standing around, sort of twiddling your fing- fingers a little bit and your thumbs, but ten one hundreds as hard as you can, and trying to sustain that all the way through. Awesome set. And then my other one is like a number of people have got on here is doing a big set of hundreds. I like to do thirty to fifty times one hundred, and I do them um, on a time that gives me around about seven seconds rest. So at the moment, and that's a fairly steady pace. It's not hard. It's not easy. It's sort of more um, Ironmanish sort of pace. So I'm I'm doing them on one thirty-five, and I'm coming in anywhere between one twenty-five and one twenty-eight, and uh, and just getting my seven seconds rest. So it's short rest, boom, away you go. If you've got a Garmin nine or another uh, watch that helps count laps brilliant way just to just tap out a big long session in a pretty short period of time so I love it I used to always like I like the um, the kind of long set descending down so I like to kind of <clears throat> you, you do like a an 800, 600, 400, 200, 100 and then like quite a few 50s just to really knock yourself out mm-hmm. and I used to like that or you do the, <clears throat> the up and down the ladder so you do the you know you do like a, a 500, 400, 300, 150 but then go back up to 500 I used to like those kind of sets you like that yeah but I don't like ladders do you? no Why? I don't know just never did uh, I, did I like, do them but I don't like them I like the idea of just 
try to get a little bit faster as you're going along mm, or then, then when you, you do the back up of the ladder when you're fatigued is trying to sit around the same pace that you got on the way up so one thing that you most people don't do with their swimming that you really should do is to do some sessions where other you strokes do, uh, the stroke, Chrissy, Chrissy McKinley was saying she loves a bit of, a bit of Ironman in there, uh, but also doing a minuscule warm up and then spanking it just to get used to what it's like to be in a race. So I'm talking maybe yep. a 200 meter warm up and then do 1K hard um, yep. because most people just don't practice that. They do this big long warm ups and then they get into their main set, the sort of traditional swimmer's way of doing it. But uh, you need to do the old Brett Sutton technique where you either just dive straight in and go for it or you do a very short uh, warm up. Speaking of diving, straight in their team relays diving into the water was sensational yeah uh, who was the Kiwis I think it was the Kiwis guy the first guy Tony Dodds his, his, his was the, the one of the day yeah he was like Superman because <laughs> they sprint normally in a triathlon they're on the edge and they just jump in well in this one they, they tag and they run probably what 30 metres yeah and then they just dive into the water and they do that first 50 metres like it is a 50 metre sprint yeah I thought Tony Dodds was going to explode he, he, he did well didn't he because he, he's not a great swimmer and he held on he's a good swimmer oh. but he was trying to swim up to Brownlee and he was looked like he was absolute maximum effort yeah it was good to see yeah it was good to see okay this week's question yes so there's been a bit of news about uh, quite a few of the 70.3 races losing their slots and rightly so I would have taken my Kona slot if there'd been one available and if I'd be able to perform in Auckland <laughs> but they are they're basically removing the slots so uh, you have Auckland 70.3 is losing its slot Hawaii 70.3 Yep. Even though it's a championship race? Yes, yep, yep. Wow, that's fascinating. So Auckland, uh, Asia Pacific Champs is losing it. St. Croix, Hawaii, Eagle Man, Mandura um, have all lost their slots. They all had uh, 30... Well, they all had 30 slots, except Kona had 72. But so Kona's of, got none now? None, well, I believe so. They may... A lot of those slots went to the Islanders, um, so local yep. residents. They had 30 slots for everybody, and then they must yep. have had another 42 for um, Big Island residents. But... Yes, yeah, so they're, they're going to be reallocated to Ironmans and that's what they've got to do because they keep adding more iron distance races so they had to go from somewhere and so good move. So my question was... Um, do you still, if you win a 70.3 World Championship as an age grouper, do you get a Kona slot? I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't mind, them, I don't mind them going to those guys. Mm. You know, like I do get that there's a limited slots and, and really 70, we're over time now where 73 don't really deserve them and it's not needed, but... I do kind of think that maybe in championship 70.3 races and the world, or at least the world championship. Yeah. You know, but hey, so be it. Uh, so my question this week is, if you were to go to a Ironman race and it didn't have any, would it, would the fact that a race, an iron distance race, not having any Kona slots affect your decision to race or not? Okay, that's a pretty simple one. Yeah. It's, it's, the best it's, one gonna, be, it's gonna be a massive response. <laughs> I tell you. It's gonna be huge. Yeah, it's Facebook will probably close down for a day. Yeah. Like, we're gonna close down all of Facebook because of the demand. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna question. be massive. Okay, John Bo, we've got an interview. So who are we interviewing? So we've got Sean McNeil and Craig Gruber who teamed up and they did Iron Man Cairns back in June. I think it was June first or June sixth, something like that. And it's a pretty awesome story and just have a listen in. There we go. Okay, guys. Um, so on this week's show, we've got a couple of special guests. A few little while ago, we had 
Ironman Cairns and for uh, Aussie listeners they will have probably seen something pretty special happening on that day um, when we saw Sean McNeil go through an Ironman with a bunch of friends and it's a pretty interesting story and as you'll find out as we go through this you'll be able to find a lot more about it on Facebook and uh, Sean's website but we've got um, Sean McNeil with us and Craig who was there with her through her day of Ironman so welcome along to the show guys. Thank you, John. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so look, um, in terms of the illness you've got there, Sean, ALS, it's, it's, it's something that is known to the triathlon community through um, John Blaze, who, who really brought it to the forefront you know, a few years ago on the, the Ironman coverage. And I know Chrissy Wellington and what have you, they used to do the, the roll across the, the finish line. So can, uh, either of you can, can answer any of these questions, but sort of run us through um, what ALS is and, um, and what you saw. Sort of going through? Well, uh, I was diagnosed a year ago now. ALS is a form of motor neuron disease. Uh, this disease um, affects um, through a disease in the uh, motor neurons, which are in the motor cortex of the brain and in the spinal cord. They're they're in control of, um, I guess, in a sense, directing messages to the muscles to make them work. And so the disease affects that pathway. And so the muscles don't receive the nerve conduction. In turn, they'll slowly break down over time and... Um, as you may hear, the muscles in my mouth uh, have um, slowly broken down, so it does affect speech. It affects all muscles, um, so all my peripheral muscles in my hands and feet and now legs are affected, so... Um, and so, Sorry, right. yeah, right. I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> it's not and so, um, yeah, I guess it, it affects walking, it affects hands, it affects speech and swallow, and then I guess at the end there it affects breathing as well. So, um, yeah, that's the short version of it. It can be quite a complex disease. Um as you may know, that they haven't found a cause or a cure yet. So um, it's still a bit of a mystery. Uh, but yeah, we're just you doing know. the best we can. Yeah. So um, for you, you know, prior to this happening for you, um, was there any pre-warning? Did you see anything coming? Is it genetic? What? What? I mean, you said there's no real causes known, but did it just hit you out of the blue? Yeah, well, I guess um, there is genetic cause or spontaneous. So um, they have done genetic testing on me. However, they came back. Um, negative so it is spontaneous cause and yeah I was doing a lot of triathlons before that and then training with Craig and a few other friends and we were 
out on a training ride two years ago and I got home and my foot felt a bit funny and I had a bit of a foot drop and so I thought it was just muscular from overtraining. We just completed the um, 70.3 in Cairns in June 2012 and uh, this came on about the August. So, mm. yeah, we th I thought it was muscular and so got some treatment, no response. So consequently went to the doctor, the neurologist and a whole bunch of tests later. It took 11 months to diagnose this thing. So, yeah, I think typically if you look at a textbook, it'll tell you that majority of people affected by this are over the age of 60 yeah. and uh, predominantly males. So there was a few boxes I didn't tick, so it took a while for them to figure it out and put a name on it. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, Craig, what's your sort of um, your background? You've been a hardcore triathlete for a long time? Uh, I started triathlon back in the, the early days. Um, mainly, I think a lot of your listeners would have heard about the Cornell series out at, at um, Cronulla in New South Wales. Um, so we, I, I was doing a lot of those. Um, the Nike had a series that was really run really well back in the day um, out at Narrabeen Lakes and and one in Darling Harbour. They were sort of little sprint series and I was in my probably uh, early 20s and um, just... So a long <laughs> time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just loved the sport. Um, but then after what happened was I had kids and, you know, got out of the sport. Uh, I, I was running my own business for a little while and, um, yeah, become unfit as you do kids and busy with life and and then uh, back in 2006 uh, I sort of got my act back together and decided that I wanted to do an Ironman and I was lucky enough that I had some friends in Bulleye where we live and they helped me train and uh, yeah did the my first Ironman in 2006 and then um, had a bit of a layoff again and was recharged by a friend of ours, Luke Mollica, um, and um, we went off and did Bustleton um, in 2011. Then 2013 we did Port, and um, and then 2014 that our Cairns medal and probably um, the best race I've ever done, um, just in terms of pure enjoyment, being out there with a group of friends and. Um, watching Shan receive yeah. her medal. It was something else. And so did you guys meet through a, a local club in terms of, um, you know, several years ago? How did you guys get to know each other? Well, um, Shan's husband, Russ, and I joined the New South Wales Ambulance Service together back in 2003. So at that stage, Russ and Shan were boyfriend and girlfriend, and, and we just... Russ and I just become good mates through work and and then um, later on we're, we're sort of neighbours now and, and so our friendship 
my wife and and Sean become good friends. My kids are, are friends with Russ and Sean. They've yeah. sort of grown up together over the last eleven years. So we've we've just formed this friendship, and through the the friendship, the common uh, theme um, is the triathlon. So we started. Well, Russ doesn't really like triathlon. So, <laughs> well, he likes triathlon, but he doesn't. He's a manager. Yeah. Right. He's a good manager. Yeah, he's a great manager. So we we just started training a lot together and and talking about the sport and and then competing in events together and um yeah so yeah the the sort of friendships just grown through um you know firstly through work and now through triathlon and I suppose we're connected at the hip now because mm-hmm. of what we did in in Cairns and um yeah it was a, such a special special day it was a special nine months really wasn't it yeah. we had a great time so Sean whose idea was it to to go on this Ironman journey to to make it happen in Cairns was it your idea to to give it a go or where, where did it come from well, the full Ironman is something I always wanted. It was my one and only bucket list item, I guess you'd say. So uh, when I was diagnosed initially, we thought, well, that's that. It was The dream was over. And so I just accepted that a 70.3 was as far as I'd get and um, then Craig had come over to me and knocked on the door and he said, Sean, I've got something a little bit heavy I want to talk to you about and so we uh, we chatted and Craig said to me, I want to help you get that medal that you've always dreamed of. So. If we train right, then we'll be able to swim it and um, through the use of a kayak and uh, I'll tow you and we'll engineer a bike so that we can both ride together and I'll push you in a chair in the run and we'll get you the medal. So it was Craig's idea (laughs) and... uh, it took nine months of planning and training and, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, quite the journey. So, so was the um, was the initial sort of um, thoughts behind it, was it to raise awareness for ALS at that stage? I mean, I know that has been an outcome that's been fantastic, but was, it, was that the initial intention or, Craig, was it more to make sure that Sean could you know, experience coming down that finishing chute? Yeah, look, it was just born from three friends, um, myself and Sean and Luke. We, Luke and I were talking about doing something for Sean after we found out of her diagnosis. So um, really it was, it was just born to say so Sean could get her medal. There wasn't – we didn't realise what would happen just prior and, and after the event, but we were – we were um, we did it out of friendship and mm. out of the the joy of you know helping someone else achieve a goal and and we knew how much it meant. Um, mm. Sean had had entered the 2013 Port Macquarie Ironman um, prior to her diagnosis, and so um, 
and then as as her um, symptoms sort of progressed, she had to pull out of that that race, and she didn't know her her diagnosis at that stage. So um, when we were at the at the welcome dinner that night, there was a lot of the inspirational video going on, and um, and Sean had sat and told Russ that um, if if she could you know, she would do that race in a wheelchair. And um, and then just as we were going to the start of the, the race in the morning, um, Russ told me what Sean had said the night before. And I suppose that just played over in my head for for the whole race and, and then throughout the day. And, and Luke and I had spoken about doing something for Sean. And then, you know, it was sort of, okay well let's let's think how we can get around and at first we we thought that we could do it as a team so one of us do the swim leg and then one of us do part of the ride and the other one then take over and and then you know we'll we'll all do it as a bit of a push whoever at the end but through the rules of iron man they they said it was uh one pilot and um I just happened to have the swim in me. <laughs> no one else seemed to want to do the, the swim leg. So, yeah, it was my swim leg and that sort of got me the, the job. And, and um, so, yeah, that's how it all started. It was just a really purely out of friendship and, and achieving a goal. But And now it's it's grown into something that's quite unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's the, certainly given us a platform to... Um, raise awareness for ALS and we didn't realise that at the start we had no idea that it would attract attention so the moment that it did we had a discussion and thought we can do something really big with this and um, with the audience that we've surprisingly been given um, we can really make some noise and yeah, let everyone know yeah. about this disease that's yet to um, have a cure for. So, so maybe talk us through your day, Sean, in terms of um, the entire race and you know the experience for you of going through the day. It was pretty shitty weather, um, but, but maybe talk us through through your talk us through your day and and maybe some of the the real highlights for you. Well, we'd been training in open water and most weather conditions, but we hadn't really prepared for the constant cold and rain. So it was, uh, it did shake us a bit at the start, but as I said, we trained hard for nine months for this and we got there on the day and we had a, what we call a Shani army at the Cairns Army and we had 150 supporters standing there in pink wigs. So it was quite overwhelming to have all these people there supporting you and for something that you dreamed about for 10 years. So, um, yeah, it was quite an emotional beginning and we, with the help of um, a few of the safety crew, we got me in the kayak and 
um, got out through the break waves because there was <laughs> a, a bit of a swell there, which yeah. uh, we weren't really. No, we didn't really uh, need we a didn't swell. We really <laughs> want the swell, but we can't control the weather. So, yeah, we got out past the breakers and sat there anxiously waiting for that gun to go off. And we said to each other, we know what we're doing, um, let's just get it done. And um, we were encouraging each other and then all of a sudden the gun went off and we had to swim um, outside away from the other swimmers, obviously, for safety. So I think in the end Craig swam 4.2 kilometres instead yeah. of 3.8 <laughs> just to keep wider the pack. So, yeah, we, um, we, it was challenging at times. I mean, Craig makes it look like it's a snap, but, yeah. um, yeah, we ended up just holding on and getting through the swell. And I think a few times then, um, in the strokes, Craig had send out a wave or a smile while he was swimming, so yeah. I knew he was okay. And we practiced coming in on the kayak and how we were going to do it. I mean, it is quite nerve-wracking being out there knowing that because of this disease, I can't swim anymore. Mm. So I was hoping to God we didn't come <laughs> off that car. Yeah. yeah. We had we had a contingency plan and we had practiced in the open water for um, situations in case I came off, but thank goodness we didn't. And yeah. uh, we got to 4.2 k's in an hour and four minutes. So nice. <laughs> yeah, you did really well. So that was the first of the three ticked off. We, I needed a wheelchair to get me from um, the swim leg through to T1. And so when we got into the paratriathlete tent, we were allowed to have a couple of helpers get me changed and within 10 minutes or so we were off and riding and it was I ended up doing the 180 k's in my wetsuit yeah. because it was so <laughs> cold and wet I thought oh bugger it I'll keep this thing on and yeah it was a blessing. I think it was it? one of the best decisions we made all day. Get me yeah. warm so yeah we hit it out and it wasn't long before we left Palm Cove that the rest of the boys that we trained with caught up and uh, we started that bike ride which <laughs> initially was unreal. We were ahead of time. We knew that to get through before cutoff we had to maintain 22 kilometres an hour which is very achievable so as long as we stuck above that then we were safe and so I think for the first two hours we were traveling ahead of time and 
we had a spare 45 minutes up our sleeve and that's when we got the first flat tyre. Oh, so no. <laughs> we uh, ended up unfortunately getting a bit of glass in my back right wheel and so this was at the bottom of Rex's lookout hill and I think the boys that were with us, no one had the uh, guts to tell Craig that we had a flat. So we all decided to uh, climb the hill on the, on a flat tyre and just change it at the top because he was uh, head down and grinding away on those pedals and we just need to get to the top. <laughs> nice. So. Fortunately for us, when we got there, we had a few helpers. We got the tube changed, and it was time for me to up to do my medication and things like that. So we had about a 10-minute stop and continued on. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, – we were still going okay. We are in the green zone. We – had time up our sleeve, so kept going. But within about 30 k's, we got our second flat tyre. So at this stage, we were a halfway between Palm Cove and Port Douglas, and there was no bike mechanic available. So we rode on a flat tyre into Port Macquarie. Oh, Port. Oh, sorry, oh, into Port Douglas. <laughs> Edit that bit. <laughs> um, yeah, we rode into Port Douglas, and because my bike is a little different, my wheels are, what, 14-inch yeah. wheels, so we had pram tyres with tubes, so, uh, yeah, we the valves were different to a regular bike valve. So we had these uh, issues with pumping the yeah. tyre back up. And so... You'd think we would have sorted that out, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. That we would have looked at her valves and said, okay, we need a car valve instead <laughs> yeah. of a French valve pumps. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, little oversight. <laughs> yeah. So you pulled into a service station and filled up just <laughs> popped up the air in the tires and kept going we went through Port Douglas came back it was looking good yeah. it was more of a slow leak so um by that stage we were panic stations we were riding in the red zone we had no spare time up our sleeves we were constantly doing the maths mm. and are we going to make it? So everyone was head down and pedalling as hard as we could. By this stage, the um, GPS on our computers broke down. So <laughs> we had no idea of our speed, our distance. We were simply looking at road signs, road signs <laughs> saying, well, 50 k's to can, so let's just no. go hard for 50 k." So we, uh, that's what we did. We rode hard. We hardly stopped. And the boys that were with us just, 
spurred us on the whole way. So, yeah, we certainly experience those emotions that most athletes do out there. You get to a real challenging moment mentally and we just had to pick each other up through the whole thing. So we're about 30 k's from Cairns when we got our third flat tyre. The whole valve blew off the tyre. So I said to Craig, I don't care if we have to ride this thing on its rims. We're getting to Cairns. So, yeah, we just... We had a spare repair tube, so we threw that back in, pumped it up, and I think that was like a pit crew tyre change. I think we changed it in about two minutes, yeah. and we were back on, and it was, um, yeah, we were racing against the clock at that stage. We weren't talking friendly to anyone. We were just... <laughs> I on the prize, so we were peddling our hearts out and when we came close to town we knew we'd scrape in but we'd make it so we we got riding close to that final stretch and you could hear the roar of the crowd, it was unreal. It was so loud, it was like a football game. People were running from cafes out to the edge of the road to sort of cheer us on that last sort of two kilometres. It was just amazing. Yeah, so we just hammered at home and we got in with eight minutes to spare for the cut-off. So we were shaving it real close, (laughs) but we got in, you know, and we wouldn't have done it without... Luke and the boys that were just spurring us on the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a team effort. The time we got into T2, we could take a breath and get ready for the marathon. So, How were you feeling at this stage, Craig, Um, going into the marathon and and what were your, your how, how much time did you have to do the marathon in and what was your sort of uh, hope, you know, what sort of speed did you think you might be able to do? Well, we we got in, when we got in, we we were ready to, we knew that we had to, because the race incorporated the 70.3 as well, the, the um, finish time was after 12 midnight, um, so it was on the Monday morning, the finish time. Uh, I think it was quarter to one, the finish. So we, as a as a group, we knew that we could do the marathon because we got in, I think by the time we got out on the run, it was about half past six in the evening and we knew that we had to quarter to one in the morning to do the marathon. So we weren't worried about our marathon time we just knew that we had to get through 42 kilometers Mm. um what we did we went out uh quite just at a nice easy pace probably around sort of eight minute k's um and sort of held that pace for a little while and then we were sort of halfway through our first lap of the it was three 14 kilometer laps so Mm. we were halfway through that first 14 kilometer laps and I can tell you my my legs had it wasn't 
it wasn't that they were sore, but I I had a feeling that they were just turned to, to wood. That's how I explain it. They were just they were they were wooden. I could still feel them, but they were rock hard. I'd never experienced that sort of feeling in my legs before. And they were very heavy. So I was like heavy stepping. And so halfway through that first lap, Luke started to pick the pace up. Mm. And next thing we're running at five minute Ks. (laughs) Oh, what are are we doing? (laughs) Anyway, we we got to, we completed our first lap and we we got our our, um, band to, to go off on our second lap. And Luke turned around and goes, right, well, we can slow it down now. And I'm thinking, what what was that all about? And he said, oh, we just had to get to our first lap. We had another cutoff that we didn't realise, but it was at 8.30 in the evening. We had to have our first lap completed. And Uh and he talked to the officials and they told him, but he didn't bother to let any of us know. (laughs) He just decided to run five-minute case. (laughs) Anyway, I think we got there about 10 past eight and then we slowed down. So we were able then to – we enjoyed our – our marathon it's it's probably um that sounds a bit strange but between all of us the six of us we just really enjoyed that Mm. that marathon it was a time where we we were able to talk about our day um we were able to you know at one stage right before we were coming back into Cairns on our last lap we virtually walked our our last lap we knew we had enough time so we we walked we had enough time to stand up the top end of the course in the dark in the pouring down rain and have a cuddle and mm. congratulate each other and um, really soak that moment up. It was great. Um, so, th- like, the feeling, I think the feeling was it was you weren't as badly fatigued as what I thought we could be because of what um, what we were doing. It was I think we were running on a lot of adrenaline and that was that was helping all of us, you know, feel quite fresh and, mm. yeah, so. And for a sport that's quite an individual sport, it was the first time I'd experienced it almost as a team. So Craig was a pilot and in charge of um, my safety and getting me through, but the other boys that were there, it became a team effort just by the encouragement, the conversation, the help when we needed a flat change and mm. things like that. It really became a team sport that day. And and not only with us, the, um, the encouragement oh. that we got out on the course was unbelievable. We the had other athletes. people calling out. The athletes were so supportive, and I've never seen this before in a triathlon environment where all the athletes were so supportive and encouraging. It was something else mm-hmm. it was really different john i've never seen it before even the the pro men as they went past us on the, the first time they went past i think the first five all spoke to us all mm. gave us encouragement and 
you know, they're there earning a living. They're there. They're in their zone, and and every one of them as they come past, it was a go or good work, and mm. it was it was just amazing. So I think Sean's story touched a lot of people. The volunteers were just incredible. They weren't they? They yeah. were everyone. Every time we um, come up to the volunteers, they were so oh, helpful, encouraging. And then also the the Triathlon Australia officials, they were just, they'd check on us on their motorbikes. They were coming up, having a chat to us, making sure we were okay all day. And um, so, you know, I, I think it brought the triathlon community together. Uh, it was a real coming together of, um, of people, not just the Shani Army, but the, the whole the whole event seemed to light up with what Shana was doing on the day. And it was, yeah, it was something to, to be part of, mm-hmm. something very proud of. Mm. So tell us a bit about the, um, the, you know, the different devices you had through the day. You, you had a kayak and the swim. I think most people can understand um, the run, but maybe tell us a bit about the swim and, and also the bike, you know, what, what contraptions you'd come up with. Okay. So the, the swim, I was tethered by a, it was like a bungee cord. Mm. Um, uh, it was so like a big, thick, black elastic cord attached to like a, a diver's weight belt. So it had a quick release if I had to get away from it. Um, so, and, and that had worked perfect the whole time through training. The bike was a um, recumbent bike. And from the, from the get-go, we, we didn't, we wanted Sean to be part of this. We just didn't want her to be a passenger in it. So because there was a lot of training to be done um, and a lot of time out on the bike, uh, it was Luke sort of come up with the idea that she needs to be able to pedal and, and then, it was, then it was a way of sourcing a bike that we could attach to a, a normal bike. Um, so what, what we did, um, Russ... Sean's husband did a lot of searching and we found a recumbent bike that we were able to remove the, the front wheel of that. And with the help of um, uh, some bike engineers, um, Paul Hillbrick up in, uh, here in New South Wales, he, he helped engineer a, um, a, an anchor point for us. Mm. Um, so the bike had the front wheel removed there was a bracket made, um, Specialised had, had given us a, a tow bike. They came on board and sponsored us, so they'd given us a nice tarmac. Mm-hmm. We were able to fit the, um, the bracket to, to the Specialised bike. And, um, and then through, throughout what we were doing, more and more people were, were looking at, at what we'd come up with. And Shimano come on board and fitted um, DIT gearing to Shan's um, bike. At the dexterity in her fingers, had, had the muscle degeneration had started to come on. So she wasn't able to use levers to, to mm. change gears. So Shimano came on board and they gave Shan, they fitted it out on her bike. It was nice. amazing. They gave me some race wheels. And... Um, yeah, we so the bike was set up so 
uh, Sean was able to pedal throughout the whole event. And don't worry, mate, she sure did. Every time we said, let's let's back it off a bit, we've got a bit of time. Every time someone suggested to back off, she'd pedal harder. So, nice. we, we, so um, and that was the part of the event that, that she, I would say that Sean enjoyed the most and, and was challenged the most because she had a lot of input into that. And... I don't know if you've seen the footage of us going up the hill there at Rex's lookout, but, you know, we were, she was pedalling, we were both encouraging each other and um, it was, yeah, so the the bike was set really well. Yeah. Prior to that, we'd had a couple of accidents on it. Sean <laughs> <laughs> ended up in hospital one time. <laughs> so, so we we really put the thing through its test and, um, yeah, come up trumps on the day. Um and then for the run, it was a wheelchair, um, a local guy um, here in Sydney in Bankstown, Mogo Wheelchairs, they came on board and they helped out with Sean's wheelchair. They put suspension in it. They made it as comfortable as they could for her. Um, we wanted to try and engineer something where I could do as much as I could myself and mm. I wanted to feel at the end like I'd really challenged myself, my body, as much as I could. So mm. Craig was encouraging of that and in the wheelchair I just said, I'll push whenever I can and then Craig would take over. So through uh, when they were walking I'd push and through all the aid stations I'd push and... Nice. Yeah, we just took it in turns the whole way. So nice. I did see the the footage of you guys coming down the finishing shoot, and that um, it did look pretty electric. <laughs> that was something that will stay in the memory bank forever. It was the best feeling I can say I've ever experienced in my life. We were we envisaged this moment for nine months we played through and just thought about that red carpet and how it would feel, what it would look like, and it was electric. It was just, you felt like a rock star. There were lights flashing, there was a crowd was screaming yeah. and they were banging on the cardboard signs and um, yeah, we just, it was my wish to be able to walk the red carpet and so we, uh, we did that. We had, we saved enough energy to get down the carpet and we took our time, we got out and we just walked down there with our eyes wide open and took in every bit yeah. and there was a fair bit of fist pumping and screaming and to finally achieve that goal, we were living the dream that day. So nice. it was unreal. And now that you've done one, is there in here, I've saw some pictures on your Facebook page of, of some other maybe smaller events you've been doing. Do you have any aspirations of doing anything else in the near future? Well, we've always got something that I can't sit still for long. So, yeah, yeah we've um, 
we've chatted about what's next and I guess for so long the goal's been canned and we've spent the last couple of weeks just sort of sunbaking in it, I guess you'd say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've had some smaller events, the City to Surf Run Run's coming up and um, there's a few other triathlons uh, in Western Sydney and um, Craigson to uh, Melbourne next year. So, yeah, we're certainly... Uh, uh, all I can say is stay tuned because I think uh, we'll find something yeah, big. You haven't there. seen the last of us. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be around. Nice. So I guess, you know, the, the race looked just incredible, but as um, you know, we saw on the internet, you know, you guys – um, got a huge amount of coverage from what you've done, and 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 now you're really pushing to to spread the word about ALS. So I guess you know what what's your message in terms of um, you know trying to spread the word about ALS, and and what can people do to I don't know raise the game or support what you're what you're going through, and and yeah, what are you trying to get out there? The message. Well, I guess initially I found even when I was diagnosed as a nurse, I still had to go and research what ALS was because it's not well known. It's not a well-known disease. So I am raising awareness so that people are educated on this disease and hopefully, fingers crossed, we get heard as far as researchers can listen and maybe even the politicians and governments out there that are in control of directing where funding goes for research and the discussions that I've had with scientists um, internationally, it's all about uh, funding for them, and so they can keep researching. They they do tell me they're getting closer and closer, and for the people that uh, do know about this disease or have uh, friends or family members affected by this, know that it can be quite quick and um, and it's a bit of a cruel disease so I think it in my situation I feel like it's a priority that we get this known to everyone and then by more awareness raised the more people can hear about it than researchers and Hopefully money can get injected into this finding a cure. So I'm just a small individual uh, trying to make some noise and hopefully with the rest of the world, if we all collaborate together, we'll be able to uh, make a change. Awesome. No, you're doing great, great work. Craig, I mean, any any sort of parting comments that you've got about um, the whole journey to this date? Oh, the, it was, it's been an amazing experience. It's been something fantastic to be part of. 
it's still ongoing. We're we're not stopping. We're we're still moving forward. Uh, in in uh, oh, we've, if we feel like we've got a hundred directions to go, we and we're trying to focus in on which way and and how to tackle this. Um, but for for both of us, what what Sean did, we it's she gave a lot of people a lot of inspiration. She gave a lot of people hope and. And with that, it's it's all about attitude and how you attack things when when you get a kick in the gut. So, um, and look, it it doesn't have to be a life threatening disease. It it can be just you know you know an injury or it can be um, you know just simple things in life. But when you look at Sean's story and and see what she achieved on the day, it it gives people the hope and I think she the main thing is that Charm wants to put out is a you know stay positive you know if you stay positive and you have a good attitude towards things anything's possible and 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 that that goes through all walks of life anyone that watches that story you know not just triathletes and not not just sports people but everything is it you know stay positive and and um yeah, get up every morning and, and do your thing because it's it's a great life's great. It's good to be part of, and um, yeah, we can achieve big things. Yeah. So, despite the disease, um, I'm actually as crazy as it sounds, John. I'm actually partly grateful for it because look what we've been able to do with this. I mean, yes, there's. It's important, it's imperative to have the right attitude and choose how you respond to challenges in your life. And I've certainly been challenged and it's given me this opportunity to make such a difference to myself and others and that's that's what makes me happy. So I can only be grateful nice so if people want to follow what you guys are doing what's the the best place to do that uh we have a website and facebook page so um shining for shine is the uh tagline there so it's uh shining and the number four shine um and so you can go through the website or our facebook page and We've constantly got um, updates on what we're doing and also to what we're finding. So apart from my um, uh, sports challenges, I'm constantly on the drive for finding trials and treatments and anything I can discover um, I'm willing to put my hand up and take a risk and try and find this cure. So, yeah, I think hopefully we're a source of inspiration and hope, but eventually too will be maybe a hub for information, education, and, um, yeah, it's all growing, but... We're getting there. Nice, oh, we, guys. We'll have um, we'll have links to Shan's website up on uh, up on our website this week. And yeah, guys, it was an inspirational story. I had it sent through from uh, 
somebody that I coach in Australia and she said you got to take check this out and um, yeah it was it was awesome what you guys achieved and Sham we wish you all the best with um, with your treatment and we uh, look forward to seeing you guys hopefully at some some events in the coming future. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. You'll Sweet. see us again. Brilliant. Thanks for that. We are back, and uh, John, obviously I haven't listened to the interview yet, but you will have done it, so tell, tell me about it. Well, if you want to check them out, you go to shiningforshan.com.au. I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. But they've actually got the bulk of their information is uh, also on Facebook, which is if you just search for Shining, the number for Shan, you'll be able to find out there. And she's just doing some outstanding work. I mean, as she said in the interview, when they decided to do this event, it wasn't really about gaining awareness. They did it for, for Shan, who's yep. obviously going through an extremely challenging time. But she's really seen it and taken an opportunity and now realises that she's got an opportunity to, to really change things and, and, and try to gain awareness about what she's going through and about what other people go through because it's, a, it's, a, it's an illness that most of us know very little about. So she's you know, taken what is a massive, massive body blow in terms of her life and outlook for life and turned it into a real positive and gaining awareness about both the disease but also it's another one of those stories where she's showing people that you know uh, the, the Iron Man sort of thing yeah. know, saying is anything is possible that you can really go out there and do some amazing stuff if you put your mind to it and have a really positive outlook on things so um, good on her and also good on her team of supporters for for getting in behind her Craig was the guy who was her pilot for the day and basically um, did the did the entire course with her but they also had their other team of um, athletes around them on the day and also they've had some fantastic support from from their sponsors so good on them yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. Okay, Jumbo, our sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Now, we love our specials. And if you want to get. We do a, love our specials. We do love our specials. If you want to get your nod. Get a nod? Get a nod. What do you mean? Nutrition of the day. Oh, nice. I've got a couple on, on, on xendurance.com. The one I would sort of angle for, they've got a little package there where you go get your extreme endurance, you get your Amiga 1000, and then you also get your Execute, $87, and that saves you 15%. Oh, wow. Chuck in your so you get all three of those at once? Yeah, so you get a, it's just oh, a little package to give you a good deal. They've got a couple other ones up there as well. Um, but you also chuck in your pro, um, promo code IAMTALK5, and you get five buck off, which... Uh, Makes it even better saving, but it's always good to buy in bulk and you get a good deal. There you go. Let's check it out, xendurance.com. And as Bevan said, I certainly am cranking into my um, immune boost and, you know, well, fingers, it's just, fingers It's crossed. really hard for you right now because the, it's really interesting with my running groups over the last few weeks. You, there's almost like a day the flu starts. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and like you're just, you know, we're in winter now and uh, and you'll go to people, you know, suddenly people are just either missing sessions or they're coming and they're just not as strong and, and you'll talk to them and they go, oh, I just got sick of the last few weeks. And then it, once that day happens, it's almost like in the next period of time, just lots of people are going through that experience. And, you know, it's winter, that's what happens. But when you're training for a race like Kona, you you know, time is delicate and also just healthy training is delicate as well, isn't it? So, Isolation's good as well. Yeah, you pretty, pretty much. <laughs> that's probably what, yeah, I... I both, uh, <laughs> I only see Bevan. That's what I see. Bevan, that's it. <laughs> so it is. It's really tricky training through winter. I mean, the weather here is. We have a. We've had a, we've had a good winter. We have to be oh, fair, but yeah, it's still it's cold. Bloody freezing the last few 
days. Jesus, it's been cold. Yeah, you've uh, been lucky. You've been hit with the rain. We have, but <laughs> you don't go out there. That's right. I thought, oh, it's raining. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had a bit of rain. We've had a bit of crap lately, uh, and it's really really tricky. And I really do find the immune boost um, makes a really nice difference. And certainly, as the training pumps up, the extreme endurance is going to kick in and give my legs that little bit of extra oomph when we're going through and certainly going through epic camp and stuff I'll be cranking the execute um, every day and also one thing that I'm really going to make a big effort on both through epic camp and also when I'm in Kona is to be taking the Hydro X because you're just sweating so much um, of your electrolytes out I'm really just going to be looking for all my different angles to make sure that I'm replenishing that because uh, we've heard lots of stuff from our sports scientists you know replacing it on the day can be fairly challenging but I think what you've really got to focus on is that sort of that window before the race to make sure that you're not hitting race day in a depleted state which is really easy to do when you're in Kona and you're sweating so heavily so that's going to be a big focus for my um, build up is uh, hitting the, the Hydro X as well so check it out xendurance.com xendurance.com okay John Boy what's he going to put notes I was having a look at I was having on their Facebook page looking at all the CrossFit guys questions and answers okay John Boy we've got a we got a question here we got um, Bob Merrill is basically what? saying okay give us a that uh, oh the, the, the GPS he, he hasn't you it wasn't at rote we were asking if anybody was at rote last week using the gps um he wasn't there but he went to ironman texas this year and he used the american version of this which was myathletetracker.com and he said it worked brilliantly my wife and friends um were able to access the website and use their app on iphones ipads both in the us and europe and uh the best part of the app for my wife was identified her location and and mine determined based on my speed and location how long it would be before she before I reached her. She said it was pretty accurate. This really helps families in viewing and supporting the athletes. The device comes on a race belt and is lighter than an iPhone and that I, uh, that I usually carry on my long rides. So negligible extra effort. Um, it uses cell phone towers, I think, for accuracy, but that is something to check. Anyway, not sure if this is an option for Kona and if John had one of your Do you want to use one? Um, I think it would be kind of cool if you did, but I understand why you wouldn't. But so basically if we got it, we could get one for John, so you guys could actually go on the website and see how John's going on the race, during, actually where he is in the race on the day. Okay, we'll look into that. Yeah. I'll look into that. You know what I mean? So Because mm. I, I assume anyone can go follow you, mm. so mm. then everyone around the world can actually, because you know, they have their updates, but you know, it's a bit intermittent, whereas if you've got one of those on, we can say, oh shit, John's now here on the bike. and Right, yeah, I'm onto it. But it's just, Hadn't do you want to carry that? that? Because um, on the run, if it's an iPhone level, yeah, I'm not going to carry that. But if it, yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, look into it because it, it, yeah, I think it just will be cool for the audience. But, mm. but it's game. <laughs> you might be ready. You know, might need to be ready for a quick catch. Yeah, yeah. even fuck <laughs> <of> this. <laughs> Get it out of here. John's blown up. He's not moving. He's stuck on Palani Hill. Oh, now he's down by the finish line. He's at Lava Java. He's at Lava Java for hours. <laughs> okay, Graham Stewart sent through an email. Just a couple of these. Um, thought you might be interested to know that uh, Norseman Chief Dag Oliver has offered to refund all entries due to a terrorist threats against Norway. The race will still go on ahead as planned on the August the 2nd, but if you want to get out because of the terrorist threats, yeah. would you? No. No, You're giving in to the terrorists. They, they win, team. They win. I think I, I had a quick look and, and looked at the terrorist threats, and apparently Syria, I think it is, um, has got some threats out against Norway, uh, imminent threats. But it was pretty pretty nice of the race organizer to do that. I think. I suppose some people would. You know, yeah. some people are worried about that kind of stuff to a level. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be stupid. Like you're probably going to Israel right now, but no. But 
you know. Last week I was talking about the guy running up the hill with me. Remember in Epic Camp I was talking about the old... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and John Jury sent me the email. Uh, that's right. Motocross, motorcycle yeah, rider. Yeah, John Jury. He's like, oh, you know, Biff, you, know, you were saying me. I was thinking, oh, I'm loving this. And then you forgot my name. <laughs> <laughs> so he met a kid after Epic Camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got a little five-year-old boy. He was a top motocross motor, motocross rider. Oh, was he? Mm. And uh, and he was just saying that uh, since having a kid, triathlon's taking a bit of a backseat, mm. but he hopes to come back to New Zealand. Just there's a couple of other quick things. Um, Sister Madonna mm. didn't actually finish road. Yes, she. I think she went across the finish line, but she didn't run the full race. Mm. Apparently, she may have had a crash. She was basically someone was saying. I think it was Robert Peeling was saying that she on the bike. She was saying, oh, "I'm not doing so well. I've just lost a tooth." Right. So I'm not quite sure if she needs to go to the dentist or she had a crash. I'm not quite sure what happened there. But Chrissy McKinley's opportunity there for you. What was that? Uh, 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 oh, dentist. dentist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but give was, her a break. She's 83. I was on um, Facebook just you know the other day, as you do, and I saw an article that Dino Gaskin wrote up. But did you read this? No. Oh, amazing. So I'll put, I'll put a link to it on um, on our website www.talk.me. But he did this thing called Everesting. Have you heard of this? Yeah. So the whole concept is you were to ride 8,848 meters in a day. It's a lot. If people don't understand climbing elevations and stuff, that's a lot. Well, so basically he ends up riding, I think it was about 340K, somewhere at 300. So in the end, he ended up riding four hours, 10 minutes, and for a total distance of 314Ks. Mm-hmm. So what he did, he read about it and he thought, I'm going to give it a try. So what he did is he found some hill in Wellington. It was like 6% gradient, so mm-hmm. kind of perfect gradient. He, he, he put a lot of research into is it going to be safe and all that kind of stuff. And then I can't remember how far up he rode each time, but it was, I think it was like about maybe he's saying per, it was it'd take approximately 10 minutes per up and down per lap at 90 laps. So he's thinking about 10 minutes up and down, so probably about, mm-hmm. what, eight minutes of riding up, maybe seven minutes riding up, three yep. minutes down. Just to do it continuously. Yeah, that's what you've got to do. All day. So that's what we would need to do for where Bevan lives. He lives up a climb that... Um, it might be more than 6 wouldn't it? Uh, it would be, yeah. but it'd be a good, you good place to... You wouldn't do it here, would you? Um, but it'd be all right. You'd get a more elevation quicker. you just have to take it easy. Um, but that Bevan's got a... It's about a... Well, it depends how fast you go, but between six and nine minutes if you're cruising probably yep. nine minutes yep. um, and it's basically about a, a t- 10 to 12 minute lap yep. you just have to do that all day long and he writes about it it's, it's a really good write up I'd never heard of Everesting and so I thought it was really cool but it was just some really fascinating things that came through with it it didn't sound like it was a life changing experience for him like in no. the end you know like he wasn't there wasn't that epiphany at the end you know you, and you're event. not at the top of Everest yeah yeah and, I, and it, but it was just like <clears throat> Maybe we should get him on and talk about it because it's it just really fascinating. Also, it was interesting how much his main concern all day was what, it, what was Garmin because you know mm. the measurement of it and, and he had backup garments and all the rest of it. But even then, it was almost it sounds like he was just consumed by this the concern that the Garmin mm. would fail. Oh yeah, you know. And so um, he had he had his Garmin. He also had a backup, and luckily his Garmin ended up working all day. But it was just yeah, it's a really good read, and it was just. Um, it was, you know, just one of those moments where someone went, you know, I'm going to take on a big challenge, and that's a pretty epic challenge. He doesn't really talk about how he felt afterwards. Okay. Can't imagine your back felt that good. No. Uh, so, it's interesting watching those power guys in the, in the sprints and the track. Eh? Did you watch any you know, of the track riding? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving the Commonwealth Games. The track cycling, I, I don't understand why track cycling isn't a bigger sport. Mm, it's not. It's because it's such a great sport to watch, isn't it? Mm. It's really interesting and it's really dynamic. And geez, just watching those power guys, how still they keep their core when all that power's going through their lower back and their core is just impressive. Yeah. 
So, anyway, uh, that's. Oh, one other piece. Have I got something else? No. No, that's it. You're done. Sponsor. Oh, okay. I'll put the jug on. So, okay, we have also got, when we finish today's show, we'll be fin- wrapping up our latest Legends okay, of no, Triathlon. Okay. I'm not going to talk for that long. So we've got our Legends of Triathlon podcast coming out this week, and we have Lisa Bentley on, and she is an 11-time Ironman champion, but also has a really interesting story because she suffers from cystic fibrosis, which means she's you know had her fear set of challenges as she's gone through her Ironman career, yet she's been able to overcome those and still win 11 Ironman titles. Uh, and she's now... A pretty sturdy runner as well, um, cranking it out in the Masters division, but she's got a pretty interesting story, and she's another one of the great Canadian athletes. So Lisa Bentley, look it out for it on Legends of Triathlon. We also will have our wetsuit auction for a blue seventy, blue seventy helix coming out, coming your way. Oh, Joe's in tow as well. She's going to get a bit of coffee going on. So a blue seventy helix wetsuit will be up for auction later this week. We'll put a post on Facebook on our Facebook page and you can check it out. Okay, so we have to say a big thank you to my lovely partner Joe Reed because she actually bought the French press. Mm-hmm. I think she gets a little bit sick of me at home sometimes because mm-hmm. on Friday she was like, I'm going to go go out to buy a French press. And I was like, why is that? I think she just needs to get away <laughs> for a little bit. And maybe she looked at your to-do list that was not getting the all the attention that it was required. I said I was going to do it last week and Millie Joe did Rubbish, it, you said it weeks ago. You no, I've delivered, I brought, I've delivered. I brought that coffee. The coffee may even be off by now because I brought it back from Kona at the start of June. Does coffee go off? Yeah. Does coffee go off? Yeah. No, after how long? Well, the fresher the better. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so I'll put, oh, okay, so I'm putting the jug on. Okay, let's do the nicknames while we wait for the jug. Oh, to I haven't done my nicknames. Oh, <laughs> here we go. At least I've done mine. We'll finish them off next week. Okay, we've only got six to go. Six to go. So. Okay, you do yours. Okay, give me a break. Joshua. Oh, oh you want to? I'm just loading. I'm just loading it up now. Oh. Joe's actually Joe's in the background making the French cheese. I'm I'm doing the jug. Yeah. Can you hear that? See, wait, wait, I'll pull it. Listen to this. <laughs> Great podcast. Oh, people love it. You're yeah. out on your bike right now in the middle of nowhere and you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to go and have my coffee. Righty-ho. Uh, Joshua the Hammer Saffold. Why the Hammer? Well, I thought Saffold sounds a bit like scaffolding and I'm thinking of something to do with building. The scaffolding, hammer. man. Have you heard about scaffolding nowadays in Christchurch? I might have told you this. Oh, tell me about it. So I've got a quote for our roof and 15 grand. I'm thinking that's about about what I was expecting. What are you going to hold new roof? Um, if we do uh, renovations, yep. fifteen grand. Yeah, that's okay. Scaffolding, nine grand of of the fifteen. No, nine grand on, on top, top of fifteen. I'm like, you're kidding. Anyway, it's crap. Um, fifteen, nine grand for scaffolding. Yeah, we've got yeah. we've got a tricky house to scaffold, but it's still, like robbery. It is. Uh, Tim, the mower gardener. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's laughing in the it's classic. You're the mower. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He'll mow you down. Obviously. Yeah. Tim's loving that Tim one. Joseph's <laughs> the Highlander. What is it? Can you keep, try to think about that one where I'm, going, where I'm going with Highlander, the Highlanders. Oh, Jamie Joseph. Jamie Joseph's nice. the coach of the Highlanders. So nice. Tim, the Highlander Joseph. Yep. Um, Darren, Farlap Mounts. Because the horse, you mount a horse, finally yes. it was the fastest horse. You, yep. You're with me there. Yep. Um, Marcus Foster, the beer. But you've called him the beer as in rah, yep. but Foster is a beer. Oh, no. Oh, Foster's. Be the, Isn't um, Foster's a beer in Australia? 
Oh yeah, no, you're right. Good angle. I hadn't thought of that one. I was thinking more the little. There used to be a little halfback that used to play, and he got used to get called the bear. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, that's good angle. I'll go with you. Your one's better than mine. Wait, is he gonna listen to this? Oh, oh. It's Do you want a jug, babe? Who else? We have uh, Richard the Bullet Barton. Chad's hot. And we had Chad Midwest Racer Bishop. I don't think this is the right one, but there was an, I do put Chad Bishop into to Google and there was some cyclist in America called, and he was with the Midwest Midwest Racer. Nice. The Midwest Racer. And then my final one um, is Marissa Dirty Rascal Rastetta. Nice. She's already got a nickname. She's been on Epic Camps before. Is she? How cool? And she's a dirty rascal. Oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want? Uh, so we've got about another seven to go. Now, what we're going to do, because I got an email from this week from someone who didn't hear us say this, and we had done it a long time ago. Once we've done this, we'll go put them all on our website. So just so oh, you know. Do a spell check on that. <laughs> on their names? Well, on, on, on all the nicknames we've done. I just type them in how they sound, and oh, they're yeah. probably always so, Don't expect them to be spelled right. John and I can't spell or read. Let's be honest. I've written a book that's come out in two weeks. Nice. Hey, it's been proofread. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I hope so. Um, right, coffees of why. This is the big uh, tasting session. So, what are you doing right now, babe? Um, We've got to let it brew. For How long do you let it brew for? Oh, a few minutes. I don't. I don't normally do brewing. Yeah, so it's that fist there. So I've told everybody about legends. So we're pretty much ready to wrap it up. So why don't we come back and we'll do our tasting in a couple of seconds? Oh, Bevan, you... Bevan, what's been happening with your week? I was in the toilet before, and I was thinking, I'll talk about this thing. <laughs> Don't talk about that thing. And <laughs> as I'm holding it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jombo. Yeah. Jombo, if you're in Australia, you can be very excited. Do you know why, John? Not I've got Maluda a 70.3 bar no, no, coming nothing up. Nothing of bar. Not the Howard government. Who, who's the government right now? No, he's an Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, what's that? Who's the Australian Prime Minister, babe? Yeah. yeah, what's his name? <laughs> oh, what's his name? Doesn't matter. He did triathlon, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He did Iron Man. Okay, first person who gets it right without searching Google gets. <laughs> Have we got chocolate, babe? <laughs> oh, yep. Okay. So, okay, whoever gets it right, wait a second. What's his name? Just move on. John? No, it's not John. But <laughs> <laughs> well, John Key? No. <laughs> He's our guy. <laughs> What'd you say? John. I'm going to be one of the faces of New Zealand tourism for the Australian. Oh my god! <laughs> for the Australian. So TV New Zealand triathlons are on the downer. New Zealand as a country is officially <laughs> going up. We're going up big time. Our economy is about to fall We're pieces just go through the roof. Oh so I got a call the other week. Do you want to? Do you want to come and do a modelling? A little bit of modelling, not much, but. Um, and you go to these auditions, and to be honest, half the time I go to auditions, I think, why am I even here? Because the, it's, I tend not to get the jobs. And I turned up to this audition, and, uh, and there's some girl there, and we had to pretend like we were happy, having a bit of a laugh and clean sound <laughs> in, in a room like this. So you're kind of yeah. like, oh, you're looking at the river. Okay, well, there's a river. And they took a photo of me, and, and I saw the photo they took of me. Seriously, you know, like sometimes you can be a bit critical of yourself, and you're like, oh, I don't look my flashes. I look like a retard. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Like, they took the photo at the, like, I'm looking, seriously, I'm looking like this. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that's that job done. So I, that was the end of that. So I thought, oh, no, not, not to be done. Then I get the call two days later, pick, pick up the job. <laughs> Maybe they're going for a different angle without promotion. A retard look. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah, so I'm going to, this is why I can't do the show. So I'm going to Queenstown. Yeah. Six days, and I've got a mate who's been like one Christchurch's top model, and he's done modeling for 20 years. He said, 
this is the best job you can get in modeling. So basically, I think what I'm going to be doing is just doing all the tourism stuff in Queenstown. Nice. And then that's going to be the TV campaign. So all my Australian listeners so out there. So be bungee jumping? Hopefully. Mm, cool. I, don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. And there's literally there's seven of us, so I'm not sure how much I'll be in all the rest of it. But it sounds like it'll be pretty cool. You'll be the sucker that's got to go and swim in the lake. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it, man. I'll do it. Like, far out. So, so all your Australian listeners... Be very excited. Nice. And the other thing is, my book is coming out real soon. It could cool. be, it could be within the next ten days. I cannot sh- hide my excitement. You, I know, John. You're in it. I mentioned you about three times. Nice. I do a little section on you. Great. Yeah. I talk about how how, how wise you are. I do. I go, I'm actually quite positive about you. Oh, I don't do a rant about you. Oh. Don't talk about how someone always talks about being punctual and never is. I don't talk about that at all. We we never have a set start time these days. When I'm, when I'm here, we start. It is, it's actually good that you're late because I've learned because I have band practice on Monday night and I don't tend to get home until about 11.30. Nice. And if I go, and by the time you get home, you have to kind of read a book and stuff. So it's about midnight by the time I get to sleep. It was the old school days. I'd have to get up at five. Mm-hmm. But because you're late now, I don't get up till quarter past six. And even then, I've got time to spare. Exactly. So what's your goss? Did the Christchurch tourism attractions last weekend? Oh, was I in photos of that? Because I'm in that one as well. No, I went up the uh, the gondola. First time I've ever been up the gondola. What'd you think? Christchurch, it was good. Really? Loved it, yeah. yeah. Loved it. Went on the tram. Loved it, would you went go that far? Sorry? Loved it. Went on the tram in town. So would you do the package thing? Yeah, we get a family package. What's with that? Wait a second. What's your book? No, it was not in the entertainment book. It's all right. It's 119 bucks for a year for a family of four. And you go up the gondola as many times as you like. Kids want to go back the next day. It's great. So what do you do? So you, you get the tram? And the gondola. Get on the go- get on the tram. We get our to- little tourist guide through Children, town. Jo- jo- what? Oh no! And then uh, do you put a bit of sugar nearby? Barry Corbett. Barry Corbett. Barry Corbett is our tram driver. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Christchurch joke. Really? Barry Corbett used to be our long-term DJ uh, on our radio stations down here, and then he was a councillor. Get in the tram. Barry Corbett's lighting it wow, up, telling that, us that, all about that town. That is a downgrading in life, isn't it? I oh, know, he was fantastic. I oh, know, but come on, driving the tram. He was oh, he's the, sharing the love. He's he like would be, 70 think, or something. Think of, think of your, in whatever city you have, back in the old days when radio stations weren't national things, mm. and you had your biggest radio star in your city, Barry Corbett. Bazza was the man. And, and Herman Ken Ellis, wasn't it? Who was no, it? no. John, John... Dunn. Yep. John Dunn, who was yep. an Elkie. He lived in Littleton. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks That's, for the coffee, Joe. It's actually really good. The French piece wasn't that good. Oh, re- I can't believe there's no caffeine in this. Oh, what do you want, babe? Oh. So back to Coffees of Hawaii. So what we are sampling today is their caffeine-free decaf, I should say. Have you tried it? Decaf. Oh, that? Wait, come and say that in the mic, because you sound really good when you say it. Come here. Delicious. Come here. Wait, listen to Joe say it's delicious. That's what I love it. You say what? You say it's delicious. That was delicious. Oh, I see that. There you go. That's delicious. So so hot, Coffees babe. of Hawaii coffee. You can get the decaf. As Bevan said, we're having it first thing in the morning. Seriously, it's awesome. We're having it in the morning, you have it in the evening, you can get that lovely coffee flavour without the caffeine <sighs> kick. But here's the thing, because the thing is, this tastes beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the problem with coffee drinkers is they have to stop at a certain period of time because the caffeine totally. effect. You know, so a lot of people this a lot of people use caffeine to kickstart in the day, which is a really good kind of thing to do. And then they'll get to a point where they know that if I drink coffee now, it's going to ruin my sleep, so I'll stop. So like you're like that, aren't you, babe? So you yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what time do you stop? Yeah, I, I oh, stopped early. Oh, you're my baby. I stopped early. Yeah. And then, but, you know, you're still like a hot drink. And this is the great thing about this. This is beautiful. There you go. So check it out, coffeesofwaii.com. They've got the decaf up there. Um, all the promo codes are on imtalk.me. And get on I'm it. just doing my drinking sound. There you 
Some show. people are laughing there as well. That right is right. awesome, Jombo. That's going to be a two-hour show, so let's I wrap it up. Oh, oh, back God. to Barry Corbett. So Barry, was he good? Barry Corbett was outstanding. Was he? Yeah. I'm loving that Barry Corbett was Bazza there. Corbett. Wow. And so, we, so what, you did the tram and the thing in the same day? Second day, no, we did the tram the next day. Spread it out. Kids had a great time. Was the tram good? Oh, you get to go, it was actually quite good. You go past all the buildings that are being pulled down, they tell you what's being rebuilt and when it's being built, and yeah, it was all right. Pretty we pretty short. Many people on the tram? Yeah, just everybody, all the locals taking advantage of the cheap deal. Oh. That's all good. Do you do the Willow Bank all year thing? No. We should do that one as well. We have it? done that in the past. Oh, and was it worth it? Oh, yeah, you've got to go a few times. Do you know what, John? I've lived in Christchurch 36 years, mm-hmm. my whole life, and uh, I've never been to Willow Bank. Nice. It's good. It is? It's good. Yeah, uh, Joe, that's a date. Anything else, John, what you're doing no. this week? Um, final race of the JD Duathlon this Sunday oh, coming up. Oh, it's a handicap race. Uh, no, it's not. It's the Enduro, double duathlon, run, bike, run, bike, run. Looking forward to that. I am loving this coffee. That's about it. It's r- what about you, Bevan? Um, <laughs> wrap really it up. Really wants to finish. Wrap it up. My book. Have I told you about my book? Seriously, I do want you guys to buy my book. I'm really hard on my book, and I'm really, I'm actually. I think we got the message. I know, but still, you know, we've got to use the power. <laughs> We're of the all proud of you, and, and I want you to buy it, okay? Yeah. And the reason is, is I want it to do well first of all, but also I think there's some really good stuff in there. So there you go. Okay, Jumbo, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Edo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.